Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. With over 21 class-leading brands, Wakeling Automotive is home to your next new car. Call Maddie anytime. 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. Welcome to Morning Glory with Maddie Johns. Yes, uh, hello and welcome everyone. Big show today, all about footy finals. Parramatta, North Queensland, Bunnies versus Penrith. And ahead of the uh, AFL Grand Final, we're going to have a yarn to uh, Gary Lyon. Uh, champion player, champion guy to Gary Lyon. Also, we're going to chat to Brody Croft. Now, Brody Croft, as you might remember, uh, terrible time at the Brisbane Broncos, storm before that, gone away, played for the Salford Red Devils, was just awarded the Man of Steel for the Player of the Year in the UK Super League. Sound advice, Aussie Osborne's Blizzard of Oz. Movie of the Week, the Warriors, search and enjoy. It's all happening. Bloke in a bar down in Kemp. Welcome, Kempy. Mate, uh, it's good to be here. I actually have had a rough week. Food poisoning on Wednesday night. Uh, uh, how's the Anus? Uh, look, it's it's not it's not great at the best of times. <laughs> yeah. So she's had a rough week. Let's yeah. put it that way. You're patting it in so when you don't wipe it, you pat it. <laughs> Maestro, how are you? Uh, better than Denon by the sounds of things. No, well, I'm very glad to be back. What we're gonna do a little bit later, we're gonna have a talk about uh, Qatar mm. um, heading into uh, the World Cup, uh, whether it's gonna be a success or a disaster. It's appearing it could be the latter. Uh, appearing, um, anticipating a disaster, anticipating crowd trouble, anticipating mm. not being able to get beers. Um, a clash of that, cultures. Yes, well, a clash of cultures. That's, that's beautifully eloquent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Prince of Pennant Hills, Ben Hogarth. How are you, Ben? I'm very well, Matthew. Isn't very it well. good, just quickly, isn't it good not to have Andrew Johnson in the studio today? <laughs> I, to my left, I have uh, Denon, and it's fantastic. <laughs> yep. it's, it's just it, yeah, it makes my job easier, that's for sure. <laughs> Last week, people, uh, you might remember, we were chatting about something in the ad break, can't remember, it's just one of his sort of idiotic musings. And then in the middle of the break, he leans across and says to Webby, totally for no reason, yeah, this is a photo of Jerry Lopez. Uh, thanks, random guy. <laughs> Another time, he was, on, he, was on, he was sitting on the phone talking to one of his dickhead mates. Yeah, maybe a bit later. I'll probably go up there about 12.30. <laughs> anyway, um, now, look, as you said, there was, he was going to be on the show. I said to Ben, there is absolutely no way. Webby can't be here. So a late emergency straight off the plane from Bali, Jack Johns. Jack Johns. Hello, Matthew. Mate, I must say straight from the top, love the braids. Oh, thanks. They man. look uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Cornrows. Just thought they'd um they'd suit my uh, personality. They do. Remember when Beckham had the cornrows? Oh, Remember that? Oh, oh mate. My God. Honestly, fair dinkum. Um, I won't say what I was going to say. Just anyway, uh, <laughs> just want to say this, uh, Joey. There are uh, Andrew. Sorry, Jack. There are expectations when filling in for Uncle Joey. Some of the things, certain expectations I'm going to run through. Uh, you have to show as little interest as possible <laughs> in the show. When the phone rings, please take the call. 
Uh, speak to your dead ship, mate, over the microphone. It doesn't matter. Uh, listeners love that. Now, you, you, much, you must watch the morning shows whenever anyone is talking up there. Yep. Just pointing to things maybe on the screen. And you're going, what's he? At any chance, please spout right-wing views. Um, <laughs> Andrew Bolt, Paul Murray, just quote as much as you can. Feel free to use... Uh, mistime jokes. And most importantly, uh, whenever we use terms like long or snake, Cornetto, Calipo, say, is that jail talk? <laughs> um, but uh, back to the thing, mate. Let's, uh, once, let's have a little chat about barley. How long were you over there for, son? Mate, we were over there for uh, nine days. Yeah. In... Um in uh, Changu and uh, Seminyak, Koba. Yeah. How was it? Did you, now, you, the last time you went, we took you there as about a six-month-old. So what were your memories from there? Uh, no. <laughs> was it the same trip where Cooper was conceived, Koba? Yes, in he a, was, too. <laughs> in a, yes. uh, wasn't that a, oh, what was it, a, uh, some toilet somewhere? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah, Brooklyn Beckham is called Brooklyn because he was conceived there. Um, Cooper's called Public Toilet. That's his little name. <laughs> no, but... Uh, Ben, have you been? You've been to Bali? I have been to Bali. I went to Seminyak and I went to Uluwatu. Yeah, right. Stayed in a villa overlooking the ocean, an all-paid-for villa for a wedding. It was an amazing time. Denon, you've been to Bali? No, not Bali, but I went to Vietnam for my brother's wedding. How good is Uh, Vietnam? Oh, it's so good. And and we went into, you know, more the villages rather than the, like, the touristy spots. Mm. And, like, we had our suits made by these women that... They're almost like masters at their, like they are geniuses at what they do. You ask for a suit, it's done perfectly for a really good rate in less than 24 hours. Yeah. Crazy. Mate. What about you, Maestro? Uh, closest I've been is Thailand, which was yeah. an eye-opening experience. Going yes. into Phuket and some of the... I'd probably say that was, like, we were at the Koh Samui when you, we were younger. I'm pretty sure that, that's pretty similar. I, I would say mm. that was like the most yeah. similar sort of Koh Samui and... We had, Seminyak were pretty similar. We had a good time. We're, we're about to go to Thailand again, and Trish goes, oh, my God, I don't know if I can go there because it just remind me when we're there with the boys. It makes me so sad. And I went, yeah, yeah, sad makes me sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who was part of the Bali crew? Who was the team? Uh, we had uh, – it was uh, myself, Bradman Best, uh, Kalen Ponga. Kalen, uh, did uh, Kurt Mann go with Kalen? No. <laughs> Cheap shot. Cheap shot. That's a cheap shot. Uh, uh, who else was there? Chris Randall. Uh, Connor Watson joined late. Um, oh, did he? Yeah, he did after, after they got knocked out. Because that's the thing about it. When you're over there on the end of your trip and a new wave of losers just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit like that over there. Um, then we had uh, Maddie Croker was over there and Tex Hoy. Um, yeah, it was a really good crew, actually. The boys were... Um, we're happy to call it a night strip away because no one got up to any trouble and everyone. I was going to say, had a good we, time. should we be expecting any leaked videos of a bloke bashing some other bloke? Uh, uh, in... <laughs> yeah. Not that I know of. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's, you shouldn't anyway because you can't live up to the stands that the Nelson Soffer Solomon <laughs> said over there. Uh, Cooper was there. Cooper was there that night. Yes, he Cooper, was. They, they said the bloke was being a real piece of work. This bloke, um, I think he hassled. Um, 
Uh, Vunavalu. Yeah. Kuliasi Vunavalu. Yeah, hassled him with a bottle. With a bottle. Yeah, <laughs> hit him with it. Just kept hassling all day and then following him with a bottle. And Nelson went, hey, you, not on my watch, outside. That's Mr. Gilmore's they're, jacket. <laughs> they're, the, they're, the, they're two guys that I would definitely pick in a fight in a barley oh, bar. Oh, mate. Fair if I saw him. Nelson, you wouldn't go, oh. yeah, his smaller mate, I'm going to pick on. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. video, like, he's a giant. The video, the crowd is moving with Nelson. Like, he's yes. so big. Usually the crowd dictates kind of like where he is moving the crowd. I oh, mate, it was like Ivan Drago when he killed Apollo Creed. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, rest in peace, old mate. Uh, no, sorry, it's, it's, I, I'm mixing up. It wasn't a documentary. And who, who, was, uh, who was best on ground? Best on ground? Ooh, uh, I'd give uh, – mate, Tex Hoy was good quality, actually. Yeah. Tex is about to go, to go to England. He was very good quality. Matty Croker will get it, but the big yeah. Chilean. He's, yeah. uh, he, he can, he can uh, provide some very good chat. Uh, on away trips. God, he's got a massive head on him, hasn't he? <laughs> I said to Jake, did you just get hassled over there? He said, I just once a guy went up and said to Matt Croker, you're that footballer with a massive head. <laughs> he said, yes, that is mate, me. Mate, you got to give a lot of credit to uh, Kalen and Connor. Oh, they got, like, hassled. Some nights they got so bombarded by just drunk blokes over in Bali. I, you got to credit them because their patience – Especially when they got a bit drunk, too. Oh, you had a few beers or whatever. Like, their patience Incredible on life. the beers was actually, you got to give them credit. It was unbelievable. No, and that's, that's the thing about it. You always look at the other end where, you know, there, there's an incident, but you don't see how good 99% of yeah. players are mm. putting up with people. Yep. You know, people, you know, and there's a whole range of people. Of course, you know, people, kids coming up for an autograph, which is an absolute honour. Person wants a photo is fantastic, but they get the other extreme with blokes with the old loudmouth soup coming up, and mm. uh, mate, it like I was talking to someone the other day, right, who knows Ben Robert Smith, mm. and Ben Robert Smith when he goes somewhere has to have security because guys go up to him when they're drunk and want to fight him. What? Like yeah. I mean, what yeah. what are you thinking? He's kind of like Nelson for me. Yes. I reckon he'd. He'd be quite bad to Mate, me in a dark just, alley. But, but it just shows that, like, Mike Tyson goes around with security. And you go, why would Tyson need security? Simply because people yeah. want to mm-hmm. pick him. Yeah. Like, remember the two guys on the plane? Yeah. The, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. true. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, it, you're, you're totally right in regards to, like, you know, you see that one video of 30 seconds. You don't see the whole day of some bloke or 50 different blokes coming up, you know, pushing and shoving and carrying on. You, don't, you just see the 30-second period of, of someone finally going, enough's enough. Yeah. So what you're saying is that Joey is ninety percent of the time he's really lovely to people, uh, and we only no. we've only seen the bad parts. Flip that, ten percent, ninety percent. Jack will tell you when we go out to Uncle Joey. I have to work double time because people will go go up to Joey, can I get a photo? He goes, no. Right. So I go up and I go doubly hard, put my arm around people. How are you going? Like it's it's amazing. Like when. Like, and I can't work it out why people do this when they're drunk. You know, people get really aggressive when they're drunk. Like, when I get drunk, I cuddle people mm. and have a good time. People actually have to push me away. Yeah. Trish <laughs> said she sees people going to her, can you get him away? We're trying to have dinner. Well, There's all the ones you got to be careful. We just wanted a photo. Yeah. Well, there's all the ones you got to be careful. Because, you know, you do get, mate, so many great people come up to you, um, come up to some of those boys, and they're so polite. But it's the people probably on the other side that, like, sort of lose their manners a bit after a few drinks. They're the ones where things can get... A bit iffy. I've, well, I've always said to the boys, you invite your own trouble. If you're there and a person comes up and just says, hey, mate, would you mind you know, 
Can I get a photo? Yeah, absolutely. It's an honour. If you get there and you're one of those people, do you try to be aloof and, oh, mate, please not. Then you start to invite the worst mm, side of people. Yeah. That's what it is. I try to say that to Joey. I say, you know, like Joey gets it. Like we went out one night in Newcastle and, you know, I'm chatting. But, and every, I reckon every second person I got a photo with, they said, why is your brother such a cock? <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is, it is true, isn't it? You, when we go out, you see it. Yeah, it's true. That's that's true. <laughs> <laughs> now we're not gonna now listen, we're not we're not gonna use names here, right up. But uh I believe someone on the touring party chose to get a um their whole leg leg tattooed in Bali. I mean um and there might have been it might have been leaking on the plane, which probably shows that it wasn't probably done at the highest quality place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing like having the uh, Egyptian god Anubis across your uh, quadricep. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, smart decisions, uh, that's probably not up there. Yeah. But, uh, hey, hey, if you like art, you go for it, yeah. in my opinion. Who would have thought that this bloke, and I won't name names, was yeah. such a history buff? Put it oh, this way. No. I mean, in my opinion, you could show yeah. him. Ancient. You could you could give him a map of the world and give him sixty guesses, and he wouldn't know where Egypt was, right? But anyway, next year, um, yeah. next year when you see they'll be playing the football with, uh, you know, what Ra. is it? Holograph? You said. <laughs> Sorry, a what? Sorry, holograph. No, <laughs> no, that, that, we're in twenty twenty two, not in twenty thirty, twenty thirty hundred. Sorry, a hieroglyphic, mate. Hieroglyphic, yeah. With an Egyptian hieroglyphic, you'll know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the worst. It's the. Okay, we'll take a break. After the break, we're going to talk about the Cowboys and the Eels tonight. Yes, welcome back. Before we get into uh, the Cowboys versus Eels preview, a little bit later, we've got sound advice. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne's classic. Uh, the blizzard of Oz. Me and Jack, we were listening to some Ozzy Osbourne interviews last night and this morning. My favourite was when Barbara Walters <laughs> says to Ozzy Osbourne, um, are you on drugs? And he he, he answers, which is what a champion. Now, hey uh, <laughs> guys, Barbara Walters. <laughs> Drugs are bad, okay? <laughs> um, now, tonight, uh, of course, stadium. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Up in Townsville. Uh, Cowboys up against the Eels for a grand final appearance. Boys, before we talk about the two, I always found this the most nerve-wracking game as far as the season, more, more so than the grand final, because the lead-up to a grand final is one of the best weeks of your life. Mm. All the hype, all the build-up. Yeah, a lot of te- a lot of teams down and more coaches will go. Oh, mate, let's escape the hype. Mm. We had a coach in Malcolm Reilly who got us to our first training session after we beat Norse in the run into Manly. We had about three thousand people at our training session. He pulled us into a circle and he said, "Boys, there's two ways we can do this. Right? We can do our best to escape the hype, or we can just enjoy it. Mm. Would you, would you want? Like, go seriously. What do you want to do? And we said, "Let's just enjoy it." Yeah. Oh, you're totally right in regards to. Obviously, it's devastating losing the grand final, but no one talks about the prelim teams. That this is you get. Put it this way: every single coach, it's a successful year if they make the grand final. So, like pressure up around every club everywhere is gone. But you know, if you make just the prelim and you've got a roster like the Eels, now I think that there shouldn't be pressure, but there probably will still be a little bit of pressure on, say, a Brad Arthur or, yeah. um, you know. So it's you're totally right in regards to the grand final. What I find really interesting going to this week, and I think the Sharkies kind of proved it a little bit is like I feel like after watching the finals with the Sharks and the Cowboys or especially the Sharks 
they had a really good style of footy for season footy. Yes, consistent. Going to get the job done. Yep. They're going to find a way to win. But did they have the footy in them to take a little bit of a step up, which is finals footy? And Cowboys, that's my question to them, is that I feel like their style of footy is very suited to season footy. Mm. But can they take that next? For example, Rabbitohs, perfect example. Yep. They, they scrape into the eight, but their team is a finals footy team. They've got superstars. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. It's it's they, they, yeah. It's like climbing in the ring when George Foreman fought Muhammad Ali, right? Mm. And Foreman's a young guy on the up, and he said everyone thought he was just going to kill Ali. And he said when they were standing there and the referees giving them the instructions, Ali was saying to him, I bet you are in awe. I, you know, I bet you I was on your bedroom wall. I, and he said, you know what? He said it was right. He yeah. was. And that's what, like, the presence of Latrell Mitchell and those big players have got. Jack, mm. you played – North Queensland early in the season. Um, can you tell me about them? That, that, what was the thing that impressed you most about the Cowboys? Uh, probably, especially in those conditions up north, just how good they transitioned from attack to defence and defence to attack. They're, just, they're a team that just, they're pretty relentless yeah. uh, in that way. I think it showed a lot in that, in that Sharks game. Um, just how quickly they can pile points on if they have to. Yeah. Um, and and they they do it under pressure so well. Like we watched the back end of that game, like, mm. and that's what that's what makes me sort of lean towards them in these finals, um, these finals games is the fact that they've they've done it a lot this year where they've like that was it a manly game earlier yeah. in the year where they won it in the last couple of minutes, three yeah, tries three in tries. the last ten minutes. Yeah. Like they yeah. can they can just transition so quick and they transition that fast that it's actually looks like it's hard for the, t- the other teams to to match it. They are especially under fatigue. You can see Jack, they're, they're the fittest side in the competition. Got to be. And this is gonna this is gonna be the real test mm. for Parramatta, because when you play football up in the tropics, like you played up there that night. Like how sapping it can be mm. if you don't get line share possession, mm. and so it's, it's very interesting looking at the history of the Cowboys and how they learnt to utilise their conditions, uh, because it's going to be twenty seven, twenty eight degrees, ninety percent humidity, something like that, high eighties. Early, early in their um, existence, when they came in in nineteen ninety five, when you they used to show off their training facilities, everyone said, so, you know, "Go and have a look," and it was it was amazing. And they tell like the story that their gym was just air conditioned. Always about 18 degrees. They avoided training in the hottest part of the day. And they struggled for a lot mm. of years. The big turning point, Graham Murray, came to the club and he brought Billy Johnston, strength and conditioner, oh. uh, mate, well-known, legendary torture merchant. Oh, my God. And the first thing Billy did, Billy walked in, walked into the gym. He said they're all just sort of casually working out. Stereo system's playing. He picked up the stereo and he smashed it, turned the air conditioning off and said, righto, now we train. Yeah. Trained him in the heat. Would take him on 120-kilometre bike rides in, in the heat. Now, the other one, I was having to talk to him about, I said, you know, on those like, like, like huge bike rides, like like Matty Bowen, like, you know, how did Matty Bowen go? He goes, mate, Matty hated it. He said, so we came to an agreement that he had to do a drill for me every week. And if he could do that drill, he didn't have to go on the 120K bike ride. I said, what was the drill? And he said, I would put him on the treadmill. And he said he had to run at level 16 for 30 minutes. Oh, far out. Now that is... That is so tough. That is... Like you're running. That's... You're starting to talk about like being a middle distance champion. Yeah. And he said he was able to do that. And, And what that did, it just totally changed the fortunes of the Cowboys because they were used to the conditions. They were ridiculously fit. And you go up there and play them, 
And man, sometimes you were tired after the warm up. Yeah, the heat and humidity, and also the slipperiness of the ball. I think is a very like underrated thing. You get up there and you're oh dry conditions, like it's humid, dry conditions, and the ball is like a soap. Um, yeah. Just in regards to the the gym thing, similar thing with the Broncos. Dan Baker, he's a renowned strength and conditioner. Wrote all these theses and everything. When I was there, he would literally, if someone turned the the music on, he'd be blowing up, going, "We're not here to dance and listen to music. We're here to get big and all that kind of stuff." So. Uh, even at the Broncos, with the amount of money they were making, they didn't get a new gym until only recently. We, it was, it was all about that environment of like, you know, mm. it's not about the equipment; it's about the effort so you true. put into it. It's so true. That's what I get, I get critical sometimes. Everyone's spending massive amounts of money on centers of excellence. Honestly, some of these sides they should not be they should not be allowed to call it centers of excellence. It should be a center of mediocrity. Um, anyway, no, I'm, no, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> last time, and this is a really Big factor, Jack. Parramatta played the Cowboys in Darwin, and this is an example of how the Cowboys are tough to beat in those conditions. They were beaten. Cowboys beat them 35-4. And when you look at the game, watching it back, I watched it the other day again, mate, the Cowboys just tore in and everything sort of stemmed off their enthusiasm, power running. Parramatta got up there and they tried to move the ball around. Mm. And like you just said before, Beak, being moving the ball around in hot, humid conditions, it's almost like a wet weather game. It's, it's honestly sometimes worse because you're not expecting it and it's just like a slippery piece of – seriously, I will say, and maybe this is just a myth, but that game during the week, uh, the pan, uh, a virus went through the whole Eels uh, training squad. So a lot of those players were really, really crook. Now, does not mean it would have changed it? I'm, I'm not sure. Yep. But it is. they did look like a team that either was struggling with the heat or were a bunch of crook players, but the heat, it, it people keep saying, oh, you know, it's just 31 degrees or it's 25 degrees. Mate, Mate you've never been out there on a oh. 30 degree day. It is a different beast, different beast. Jack, you've been, um, did you watch Parramatta last week from in Bali? Um, I think that's a no. Did they play again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not joking. Uh, I'm just trying to remember. No, they beat, uh, they beat the Raiders. Uh, Mitchell Moses, his last six weeks been the best six weeks of his uh, career. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, it looks like this year, I don't know what's happened. The Aether Mortals left, so maybe that's a possibility. That, isn't it funny? Um, <laughs> we are just talking before he was at Newcastle. In the first month in Newcastle, he jumped, mate, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And now, when the sides started going bad, you've been up in Newcastle, Joey? No, mate. No, I haven't been up there. <laughs> what was he? Can you run through, like, Andrew, Andrew Johns at a Newcastle Knights training session. Was there a lot of big noting? Oh, um, <laughs> you can you can assume there's a little bit. Yeah. My, my, there's, there's a certain behaviour around Joe, and I think you might have seen it maybe in his playing days, but even now, like, I've got to give him credit. He's still got some pretty good skills, Joe. Like, when he gets to training, he'll throw the ball, like, he'll do stuff with Clooney or with Cliffo, and they'll be, like, firing the ball at each other. But just every so often, you'll look over and he'll try and fire a ball and it'll just it'll either hit Clooney above his head or at his, at his ankles. And you'll look over and Joe will fall to his knees and he'll start grabbing his neck. And <laughs> <laughs> suddenly, suddenly, suddenly the, the uh, medicinal marijuana's not working anymore. So, yeah, I was say medicinal. Medicinal. <laughs> medicinal. That's, that's the crucial thing. Um, um, what do you think, boys? Ben, you want to add a little bit well, here? Well, I, I, yes, the conditions are going to play a huge role in this game. But if this were being played at Combank Stadium, mm -hmm. would the Eels get the Cowboys there or would the Cowboys still put in a huge showing there? Oh, huge showing. So but The Cowboys' away record, I think, is almost better than their home record this year. Yeah, so you get it. I would love to see the Eels get up here 
because I've out of all the teams I've left, I'd like to see the Eels win this thing. Yep. I reckon the storyline for the rugby league would be that that would be the best storyline. You are being very Sydney centric when you're saying <laughs> Parramatta versus Penrith. Yeah, it's called the yeah. National Rugby League, yeah. mate. Yeah. Plus, I've got a really great story idea in mind for Nathan Homarsh if the Eels do win. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I want to see them get up. What about last week? Like, God bless Hindy. He, like, he's just so negative, isn't he? Yeah. Like, what are they? So we, we, we're talking about Parramatta. They've just belted Canberra. And I said, boys, Mitchell Moses has just, last six weeks, been outstanding. And Hindy goes, yeah, but where was it the first six weeks? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit like me when I talk manly. I like, you know, you, you death ride your team because that's that's your coping mechanism. Wait, wait. That's a coping mechanism. And, what if, so, and then we're previewing. We're previewing uh, the Bunnies game um, up against Cronulla. And we've got Matty Burton on who, by the way, mate, what a champion kid, Matty Burton. Mm. And we're sitting there. And, um, and I said, mate, boys – the key to this game is Cameron Murray. I said, look at the difference when he comes back into the side. He's parsley, et cetera. We're going to talk to him about it a little bit later. Anyway, Hindy go, is he? Is he really that good? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Anyway, he turns to Matt Burton and he said, but really, does Cameron Murray feature at all when you do video? He goes, yeah, lots. <laughs> uh, Jack, what do you think? Who wins this one? Uh... The the which game sorry, oh yeah mate the one first game next year <laughs> yeah we'll play the Broncos yeah now, this one tonight Ca- yeah. uh, Cowboys North Queensland <sighs> to be honest I thought the Raiders were playing tonight uh, I'm going to go with the, the the Cowboys I think uh, I think the conditions will suit them and I think that uh, blokes blokes like Reuben Cotter like oh, yeah. their yeah. leg speed especially on that track up north like <laughs> that track they've got up there is so quick mm. like he yeah. is so dangerous up there yeah. I, look, I, people like to compare. Okay, they only beat uh, the Sharkies 32-30, I think. Yep. Uh, now, the difference between the Sharkies and the Cowboys is that the Sharkies, the Cowboys have players like Valentine Holmes in their side. Yep. I think I think the Sharkies are missing just that one big, big superstar that can make the big play. But I think the Eels, I'm getting a feeling from them, it's now or never. Like, yeah, this right. is it. So I'm going to tip the Eels to get now the job done. <laughs> you, you like the Eels? I like the Eels, yeah. My... <laughs> Nah, my head says Cowboys, but my heart says Eels. Oh, mate. And as a manly mate, supporter, wait, that's a big step. <laughs> Let me tell you. Supporter. Uh, there you go. One, two, one. I'm going to go to the Cowboys just by a fraction. We're going to take a break after the break. Gary Lyon talking about the AFL Grand Final. Yes, and welcome back to Honest Opinions. Uh, sorry, to uh, Morning Glory. Bit of a kerfuffle here. Uh, we're trying to get Gary Lyon on the line. Uh, we can't reach him. Guess what, guys? That's your opportunity, AFL Grand Final. <laughs> that was your small window. It's closing, closing, and gone. Now, we'll have him uh, next break. But it's time for Honest Opinions. And, uh, Ben, you are fooming over something that's happened at the last couple of days. In the last couple of days. Monday night, I tuned in about 5 p.m. I finished watching it about 11 p.m., the Queen's funeral. As mm. you know, I've declared myself a devout monarchist, a Queen Elizabeth II lover. She was amazing. Uh, and then I, I was watching the Sky News coverage, which was exceptional. Excellent. British British. I know Joey was, yeah, yeah, was, was watching as well. <laughs> and then Balti catching then you, up for a beer. And then you flick on Channel 9. And there is a, a lady walking into the church and um, Peter Overton there going, oh, I don't know who that is. Well, it's actually the British Prime Minister. Oh, yeah. They didn't even know who Liz Truss yep. was. They yes, said, he hasn't uh, been in the da- in the in the job very long. 
But, but guess what? It's know your, your people. It's your job. It's your job. It's Literally. your job. It's your one when, job. When you're involved in the industry of news and the current affairs, the first thing you need to know are country's leaders. Yeah. Right? It, it, honestly, it would be like me on the – Telecast going, grand final day going, yep, okay. And looks like there's someone coming out of the uh, team bus. <laughs> looks like a strapper. Oh, no, I've been told it's Wayne Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's like when, when we started, when I started newsrooms, you had to know who your defence minister was, who your minister of finance, like all these all these positions. And if you're a, you know, you're saying you're a national broadcaster and the British Prime Minister walks into the Queen's funeral, you should really know... Who that is? Just just on that, Rado, before we shift off, what has happened? Me, Jack and I were musing over this yesterday. What has happened to free-to-air TV? There is nothing but reality TV on there mm. in this prime time. Mate, Farmer wants a wife. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> have, you, have you watched oh, any of that? What a turd. Oh. Uh, the block. Oh, mate. <laughs> God. A decade ago, that should have been demolished. <laughs> Big brother. Oh, <laughs> Lord, give me strength. And the worst, the worst, married at first sight, oh. married at first blight. Oh. <laughs> a disgrace. Mate, I t- there's two shows, Foxtel, The Twelve, which was outstanding, one of the best Australian dramas I've seen. And Jack put me on to one yesterday on Disney Plus called Bear. The Bear. It is The Bear. The Bear. Okay. Chef. It's it, so good. It's insane. Yeah, Jack, it's anything you – got any gripes? Um, oh, I've got plenty. Oh, tell you what, two, narrow tell you one, let's side. go uh, international airports. Uh, mm. The Denbasar uh, Airport there in Bali. I tell you what, if, if COVID was going to start anywhere, it, it, was in, <laughs> it was in that toilet. It's where COVID goes to die. <laughs> mate, air, mate, airport <laughs> toilets, you know when you go open it up and you look and there's one cubicle left in a huge and you're going, oh, no. And you go and sit and sit down. It's warm. Oh, <laughs> and you go, oh my god, what Blomont has just sat here? <laughs> it was, uh, mate. And, and but I tell you what, Jack, you know, some of the airlines out there we were talking about before. You finally got there, mate. After two or three days delay, uh, mate, flights being cancelled. Mm. We're not going to give away of it. Say it rhymes with Fetstar. Okay. <laughs> did, did the city airport yesterday cancelled 40 flights because of forecast wind and rain? I saw that. Mate, there was a, I think Sydney got a sprinkling. Oh, that man. was it. They cancelled 40 flights. Surely our, yeah, we've come so far that there's a bit of wind yeah. we can navigate through it. Walk out that day. They cancelled the night before. Walk yeah. out that day and go, yeah, no, nah, she's all right. Honestly. Denon, anything uh, getting on your goat? Uh, well, quickly, I uh, had a show idea. Married at First Sight. I reckon there should be a show called Married at Last Sight, and it's just old people getting married. I, yep. I'd oh, watch no. that. Yep. I'd watch that. Uh, but my gripe is... <laughs> last Sight. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two oldies. Hello. <laughs> Will you marry me? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and my gripe is, look, I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan. Like, I really... It is a seminal moment in cinema. It changed my childhood. I watched it many times. I was actually watching it again yesterday to just remind myself how great it is. The new show, Rings of Power, is a disgrace. It's terrible writing. It's a waste of time and money. And I, it might be, compared to how much it cost, it might be the worst show ever made. Yeah, Amazon paid a billion dollars yeah. all up. It's yeah. like $300 million an episode. They said it could, yeah. it could sink. Or like, you know, could fail, it could sink. Could sink Amazon. Well, no, well, so Amazon the, Prime. The Prime. Yeah, so Prime. so oh, basically right. they, they produced and created it, Amazon did, 
And if apparently, reportedly, if this fails, the production team of Amazon may shut down. So like they won't create their own unique series content. Series or anything like that. Yeah. Wow. It's if, it's if Late Show with Matty Johns failed. Kaput. <laughs> that'll, <laughs> that'll, ne- that'll never happen. It's not like House of the Dragon. Like, oh, man. I, I, I'm not a much of... Game of Thrones person. It's, anyway. quite, it's actually quite good. Colin. House of the Dragon is great. Is it? I'll, I'm, I'm right, backing uh, that in. Okay, that's your opinion. I'm more, <laughs> of, I'm more of a serious drama man. <laughs> we'll oh. Take a break. Gary Lyon next. Yes, welcome back. A little bit later, we've got uh, Sound Advice and uh, Jack Johnson is doing that uh, today. Uh, the uh, the album is Ozzy Osbourne's uh, The Blizzard of Oz. Yeah, so don't do drugs, kids. Uh, now, tomorrow, 2.30, <laughs> AFL Grand Final. The Geelong Cats up against the Sydney Swans. And on the line, we've got a bloke who's done everything in the AFL, including coaching the Australian side in the International Rules Series versus Ireland, which was so disgusting and violent, it's never been done again. <laughs> <laughs> this man is so iconic. Nathan Lyon is nicknamed Gary, the man from Devonport and Tasmania. Gary Lyon. Gaz, welcome, mate. Hey, gentlemen, it's a great joy, thrill and honour, and I've done everything in football except what you've got me on to talk about, and that's win a bloody premiership. So um, we'll just make it up as we go along. Gaz, look, mate, we're Sydney-centric, of course. We're the outsiders. Um, you know, but I'll, I'll, off the top, right, the Buddy Franklin thing, he's extended uh, for another year. Yep. The Buddy experiment, when he signed, I think it was 10 years, uh, $10 million. How is it viewed in Melbourne? Has it worked? Unequivocally, it's viewed in hindsight, uh, Matty. Uh, everyone with the benefit of hindsight now nods knowingly saying, uh, what a brilliant move it was by the Swans to offer this nine-year, nine-million-dollar deal. And if you wanted to go back and and do a retrospective check, there would be some uh, some very humbled media commentators who said that this was a joke and it was irresponsible. And how could you commit to a player who's going to be 36 in his ninth year? On and yeah, you know, it went on and on and on. So when Buddy fronted the cameras through the week, he said, oh, "I proved a few of you wrong." Yeah. I think if you dug really deep, I think he was laughing on the other side of his hand. It's been an it's been an extraordinary success for that footy club, and yeah, I know um, you know it's NRL Heartland, but if you speak to the SEG people, their biggest moments in recent times have all been around Buddy or the Swans, so it's been enormous. Yeah, spot on. Jared Waitley couldn't have been more wrong. Um, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, morning, Gary. Ben, the producer here, mate. I'm a I'm a Swans fan. Do we have oh, any congratulations? Mate. Do we have <laughs> any hope of winning this? Because I'm friends with Rebecca Madden, uh, who's obviously number one ticket holder down there in Geelong, and she's been giving it to me all week. Do I have any chance in seeing the flag come up to Sydney? I reckon you're the only team that do. So that that yeah points towards a really good final. Geelong have been standout. Best team, 15 in a row. Every boring statistical thing you want to throw up puts them into a different category. But right hot on their heels in all those categories are the Swans. So they've got nine on the bounce and they've got the big bud back in some form. They've got an enormous, talented group of young blokes that won't be scared by the occasion. So, yeah, no, they've got a chance for sure. Pressure is the one thing that, you know, in big grand for any big event, big sporting event, if you bring heat and pressure and... The Swans do that as well as anyone. So, yeah, they're a chance for sure. Pressure, mate. Pressure produces diamonds, gentlemen. That's, that's all I always say. You can write <laughs> that down, guys. Hang on, write that down. Hang on, I might use that. <laughs> hey, mate, it's, uh, Den, and, it's uh, Den and Kemp here. Uh, now, 
you said Geelong was on a 15-game winning streak. Uh, a couple of years ago, the Penrith Panthers in rugby league uh, were on a massive winning streak. And, and a lot of people kind of felt going into a grand final, it's, it almost could be a negative. It's almost an added pressure because that could this be the game that we lose? Do you think Geelong is a, a, a very experienced uh, playing group that can kind of block that noise out? Or do you think that holds a bit of merit? No, I think you've answered your own question. Denham is as big a the older list of players. They are an older team who are led magnificently, and I don't think it's even been raised down here. I just think it's you know it's the expectation is they go in and win. They yeah, I don't want to get too deep, but they just revolutionised the way they play to some degree early in the year, and and it took a bit of time. Hawthorne beat them, St Kilda beat them you know, through the year, but. Once it clicked, once this new style clicked, uh, they haven't looked back. So no, I think they'll go in with enormous confidence and not worry too much about you know, um, a 15-game streak that might carry some extra burden. Hey, uh, Gary, mate, Jack here. Uh, nice to meet you. Um, no, you're not meeting your son. You're not meeting your well, face. Well, well, <laughs> <him over>. right. <laughs> right, he's just got off the plane from he's, Bali. He's up, Cobra. I'm hung out. The... Uh, the uh, the AFL Grand Final, like my, my brother took me down. He's down there in Melbourne in 2019 to watch Richmond versus uh, – they play GWS. Um, is there any nice spots around the MCG there to, to go and have a few pre-drinks before the game? Yeah, that, now, that's, that's the question that um, <laughs> needs to be answered. Um, <laughs> there's a thousand of them, mate. Get to Richmond. Go to the suburb of Richmond. Yep. Work your way down Swan Street and have a pot in every single one. By the time you get there, you'll be sideways and you won't remember the grand final. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. The it's going to be rocking, mate. The, the whole thing the... will be rocking. Matthew's ripped at the shreds a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, I know, Gaz. I know. The word pot uh, certainly rings true in our household. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Joey. Sorry, Ben. Uh, Gary, big, big uh, entertainment booked in for uh, halftime. Uh, Robbie Williams and Delta Goodrum, I think, are the... Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, are you hoping for another meatloaf esque performance from Robbie? <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't think we're going to get meatloaf. Um, <laughs> maybe that's why they shoehorned Delta in just as safety. Uh, no, they we're very excited about Robbie and Delta. And the, the great, the, one of the best things we've seen in recent times was Richmond won a grand final. I'm not a music person, Matt, if Becky knows this, but. Mm. Um, the, the killers played and they come back after oh, yeah. the game and just did an impromptu concert and Jack Revolt who just won the premiership got up and belted out a couple of songs with him so that, that could be very much on the cards with Robbie I think he's going to from all everything we see he's, he's into his footy um, he, so that means he's watched a minute and a half on YouTube yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's excited to go just just quickly guys. hey Ben nice yep. cheap shot on Meatloaf rest in peace old mate we lost him <laughs> last year that, it, it, that will go down as the greatest halftime well, performance in any sport ever well that's your opinion did, right. it do, did it do good for AFL or did it do bad for AFL I think it's, pro- I think I think it's, it's probably did, done pretty good yeah I reckon forward. I reckon if you got on YouTube and looked in AFL Grand Final Meatloaf yeah. I reckon it's got a don't few worry, views don't worry we don't throw stones 2001 Billy Idol um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, mate, um, a player from each team, who is a key for each side, do you think, to, to, to get the win, whether it's leadership, whether it's a blinder of a game? Who's a key from each team? Uh, Joel Selwood's going to break the all-time record for finals appearances. Um, he'll play in his 40th final this weekend. Um, he's captain Geelong for 244 games. So he is held in the highest of regard. In fact, I think this is right. 
he has won more finals in his career than the entire St Kilda Football Club in its history. That's one for the Saints have only ever won one flag. So he's important. Jeremy Cameron's probably in the best uh, form of anyone in the comp, so he's a big key forward for the Cats. So I'll need to stop him. And then from a Sydney point of view, they're a bit more even across the board. Um, Chad Warner's a young man who we love and looks like he's sort of just made for the big stage and, and then you can't go past the bud, the big bud who could eat. Uh, he had a very quiet final a couple of weeks ago that was magnificent in, this, in the win against Collingwood and um, all eyes will be on him. Gary, it's been so good to have you on, mate. Um, we know that you, your, enthusi- your enthusiasm down the line you, is palpable. As you have, <laughs> you've broadened your supporter base. We, of course, we've worked together with the uh, in Munich 2006. Yeah, Eddie was that's amazing. True. What I learned we did. <laughs> by the end of it, I was calling Eddie Dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who's your daddy, Eddie? Good on you, Gaz. Appreciate your time, mate. And yeah, boys, enjoy. Thanks, Thanks, mate. Right, I will take a break a little later in the show. Movie of the week is The Warriors. Yes, you want it, you got it. It's time for Rev It Up. Yes, uh, adventure begins on a Harley-Davidson. Get out to uh, Harley Heaven at Tempe or Blacktown. Hello to all the people out there. Went to Blacktown. Great people. Great showroom. Ben, you want to chime in here on the theme of AFL Grand Final? Yeah, I just think that uh, the Dangerfield really needs to rev it up this yeah. week. He's, Rodney uh, Dangerfield? No, yeah. not Rodney yeah. Dangerfield. Is this now Geelong player? Geelong player. Yeah. He used to play for the Crows, mm. but he's a Geelong boy. Yep. So there was a whole bunch of kerfuffle. He went back, Patrick Dangerfield, went back to Geelong, but he's never won a premiership. Can't but get no respect. But he's, yeah, he's <laughs> exactly, but he's, he's elite. So he's like, you know, he's like a Wally Lewis kind of level player. Yep. That has just never never won a comp. Got a comp. It's it's fun. Geelong. Geelong the Geelong Cats remind me a little bit of the Newcastle Knights. Mm. You know, like that just outside of Melbourne. Um, own city, fanatical as far as their sports concerned. Yeah, and they're kind of everyone's second team. Like no one, really? no, one hate, no one hates well, oh, no, I'm, sure, they, yeah. I'm sure Collingwood people do. Yeah, but you know they're just Geelong and they're a good team and stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah, they're not one of those Melbourne teams that everyone just despises because they're Melbourne. Do you have a team, Dannon, in uh, AFL? Yep, uh, absolutely not. I couldn't no. honestly tell you the first thing. Jack, have you ever got a team? Um, I'm, I've got a Richmond Tigers scarf yeah. from the yeah. GF. He went to he Harry Grant and Cooper went to the game and knew nothing about the game and online they're. They got photos of themselves with Richmond scarves on and beanies. It was really quite pathetic. I had a T-shirt on. I got locked out of the house that night. Do you, yeah, a, you did too. Do you have a team? Me? Yep. I always look at the worst team in the league, support them. I'm Port Adelaide. Teal till I die. <laughs> 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 we'll take a break. We're going to preview uh, uh, the Bunnies and the Panthers next. Yeah, pretty soon we're going to talk to Brodie Croft. Um, ex-Melbourne uh, Storm, ex-Broncos, uh, went over to uh, the UK Super League with Salford, just like Jackson Hastings did, and uh, has just picked up the Player of the Year award in the Super League, the Man of Steel. Great achievement. But tomorrow night, boys, of course, Stadium. Cannot wait for this. Penrith Panthers up against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. It was the grand final last year. Uh, you remember after the grand final, Billy Amy Kickow come out, you know, <laughs> and he was doing glory, yep. glory. It's only, only in rugby... Only in rugby league do we get, you know, situations like this—an opportunity for re- revenge for the bunnies. Yeah, yeah. I, I, 
this this is a game, as you said, Matt. This is a game that I'm looking forward to. No, no offense to Parent Cowboys, as you said. I just, I reckon the Bunnies could sneak one here. <clears throat> I just think. That... Well, Jack, you know, you know the Bunnies boys very well. A couple of years there. Um, tell me about some of those. T- t- tell me about Cody Walker going into big games. The thing with a lot of those boys is that really surprises me is how calm they are. Like they don't change much going into these big games. Like. Their, their training's very similar. They're very good at executing. They execute a lot of shape that at training that they prepare for teams to jam. They get a lot of oh, blokes yeah, right. okay, preparing. Cool. So what they do is they pretty much essentially they they practice their quick hands a lot. I remember when Corey Allen filled into in twenty twenty filled in for Latrell when he did his um mm. was his hammy, ham, hamstring did the, ham, yeah. the hammy injury, and you know not many people gave. Corey, because it was COVID too, so he didn't get much game time earlier in the year. So he was just training. Like that back end of the year, they were just using his quick hands just to beat um, beat defenders with a pass instead of you know oh. jamming. That's what Cody's just so good at. He's so good at you know reading jamming defense. Jack O'T has been good. Kalamatangi, Keon. Yeah. Like last week on the right hand side, oh when God. you're talking about quick hands, um, second man pass out of the back from Cam Murray. Ilias just flicks it on Keon. Literally doesn't he just flicks it then on to Latrell who does a bullet pass out to the wing Milne who scores in the corner incredible and like Keon the pass that he threw he didn't even throw it to Latrell he threw it to the space where he hoped Latrell would turn up in and and I just think that though there's out the back plays and the I guess the attacking sets I don't think any team in the comp is as smooth as the South Sydney Rabbitohs I will say though. I just think Penrith are on a different level this year. Yeah, we, you yeah, know, yeah. I, we watched their finals game compared to all the other finals game. They just looked too good. Denon, what's what's really interesting, Jack, Benny, Maestro, in, the, in this game, going into this match, if you – round 25, uh, Ivan, and he was smart, absolutely at the time right thing to do, rested his star players, right? <laughs> then they go into the week after. They play Parramatta, big win over Parramatta, but then they're rested again. Now, in the old days of the top five system, what used to happen, the team that were the minor premiers got the first week off. So they sat with their legs up, taking it easy. Then they would play week two. They would play uh, in the major semifinal. If they won that game, they went straight through to the grand final. So effectively, they played two games in four weeks. Now, that was always debated. That was problematic for a side to only play two games in four weeks against a team who were on a roll, who were rock-hard fit and playing with... um, you know, just battle-hardened and ready to go. Always proved a little bit problematic. Panthers have played two in four weeks. Nathan Cleary has played one in seven weeks. Now, he came back from that game, didn't miss a beat. But at what point, boys, at what point are you underdone? Mm. That's going to be my question. Because yeah. I tell you, when you sit there, here's the other thing, right, when you have a week off, is when you have a week off, you go away, right, and you're watching – when you win a finals game, you get a shot of adrenaline – you get like a real lift that, you know, that sense of jubilation and you pick up speed and momentum off that. Meanwhile, when you're sitting watching a team do that, you go on cold turkey. Mm. It, can, it, can be, it can be really tricky that week off. I will say, you know, the Rabbitohs are a different beast to the Eels. You know, they've got a, a long rivalry now. Well, not long, but a rivalry with the Penny Panthers. And if there is one team that had a chance of getting Cleary off his game, it's, it's probably the Rabbitohs. Mm. So... In that sense, you could make the argument that, it, put it this way, when everything's going your way, it's really easy to just pick things back up and just, just get back to where you were. But mm. if they can find a way to just 
make things not go his way for the Got first you. 20? It's essential. Mm. It's absolutely essential. If they give him time, he'll kick him to death. Oh. Right. The big battle is he versus you know, the bigger impact, he and Latrell. Jack, I'll, I'll, and we'll get to that in a second. Okay, if you're coaching a team, how do you, how do you confine Nathan Cleary? What do you do? Oh, that's a hard question. I wouldn't know myself. Personally, like his kicking's that good. You, you'd have blokes, you had, you'd have your markers just hunting him down, but their big men do a really good job of looking after him in that, on those last tackles. Like there's a lot of technique used to um, talk to players about um, blocking those marker defenders and that A and B defender on the last tackle just to stop, just to give that kicker yeah. an extra second. Making them go round. Yeah, yeah exactly right. right. Um, and their big men do it better than any club. Um, just those little things, like we were saying earlier, just the little things that can, uh, in a game that aren't really well taught, they're, they're more things that you have to be good at. They've mm. got big men that are so good at it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be on that. It's going to be Nathan's kicking, I'd say. Yeah, that's and the key battle is going to be it's Nathan's kicking versus Latrell. And and the the thing about it is, if South Sydney don't get to Nathan on that last tackle, if they consistently give him time, they get, he's going to wear Latrell out really early. Their plan will be kick over Latrell's head, get him into the corner, run him into a cul-de-sac, basically where. Where basically Latrell early in the contest, they want him doing nothing runs, mm. or like the uh, like the Roosters did in round twenty five, kick it high, hit him on impact. Mm. Now that that not that doesn't just affect Latrell, is it? It affects the Rabbitohs because the key to every Rabbitohs set is Latrell's punching through on a kick return. They for for Latrell is the bridge, if for use of a better term, if this makes sense, to Cameron Murray having an impact, Cameron Murray is the bridge to Cody. So if he doesn't get forward Latrell early in that set of six, nothing happens. And the only way, as Jack alluded to then, they're going to put their blockers in. Bottom line for Souths, and this is, you know, people are going, oh, yeah, you, you shouldn't be talking like that, but this is the fact you've got to cheat in the rucks. You've got to lay on them that half a second. You've got to be willing to give away a couple of penalties or six again at the start of the contest just to school the referee and get him used to how you're going to defend because the referee is not going to go six again, six again, six again, because he starts to get criticized. You've got to be willing to just be patient and just lay on them a little bit longer. Cause if they don't do it and don't get to Nathan, they ain't going to win. Yeah. How, how, how big is um, Tom Burgess not playing in this game? Cause he's back in the grand final if they make it right. So and he was, like, he was it's very good. Shark sharks, obviously good forward pack, big forward yeah. pack. Didn't really Mate. look like they missed him, obviously, because they, they blew him out of the water early. But this is a big loss. If you look at what he did against the Roosters in that game, a couple of times he, he ran over Crichton one point, which I thought was a real turning point in the yeah. game, psychologically, um, because Souths were really a side to get up emotionally in contests. So he, he's going to be he's going to be a big loss when you consider you've got um, you know, Moses Leota, you've got James Fisher-Harris. They've got a big, strong, aggressive package. Uh, Spencer... Um, Kickow, Liam Martin. So you're gonna, you need some size there. I, I must say though, I, I do think someone who's gone under the radar. I reckon the last maybe since 20, 2018, I think he's the the year that he sort of come into first grade and he's just had a really good impact at the club since. And doesn't get the raps is Junior Totola. Oh yeah. I think Junior doesn't get the raps he probably deserves. He's he's. A forward pack leader there at that club. He was um, he was fantastic yeah. last week. He, yeah. he got their player of the year this year. Yeah, yeah, he's been outstanding. In regards to just quickly on how to beat 
Nathan, I, I feel like, you know, you have to take that, you know, the Penrith Panthers have realized, okay, teams are going to try and upset Cleary's rhythm. So I think if you're the, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, I would be making a point of every single set, the the fourth to the the fourth into the fifth tackle, you have to win the contact. Definitely. If you don't win the contact, that kick is going to be wherever he wants it to be. Mm. And I, I agree in regards to if Luttrell has to constantly bring it out of his own end, like he's not fit enough to do what a, a Teddy does. He's yeah. not fit enough totally to Totally different player. Exactly. And so yep. all of a sudden everything opens up where – the grub is in behind. Latrell isn't getting to them as quickly, so it's such a an important battle. And that's like with Latrell. If if Latrell does is forced to do a nothing run at the set of six, and then it doesn't give him the gas to the rest of the set, be tailing the set and just watching and yep. prowling. Mm. If that makes sense, when mm. you see him just prowling around Cody and floating around, wait for an opportunity. A really big one, boys. No, Alex Johnson fifty fifty. Oh. Um, and not just his try scoring, but um, Richie Kenner and Josh Mansour, one of those two will go into the side and Nathan will absolutely oh. target him with those satanic bombs he puts up. You'd, you'd almost you'd almost go Kenner just because, like, he'll yeah. still get targeted, but I think he'll get targeted less than Mansour because yeah. they know Josh. They know him, That's so they're going to look for him. Well, Josh, remember, he had that terrible time. Mm. Last year, was it last year? And they, they lost yeah. like fifty to four or whatever. Been, yeah, yeah. yeah Mance had a, 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 a tough game. Isaiah Yeo versus Cam Murray in the middle of the field. It'll be a headline. Um, I, I, I honestly think, you know, I think I, the first half of the year, Isaiah Yeo was the best thirteen in the game. I think the second half of the year, I think Cam Murray has with, been the best, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. If you look at the difference between South Sydney and Round Twenty Five, you could knocked out um, in that first game, and he plays against the Roosters the week after they built the Roosters. He's the best player mm. in the field. And like just his, like, the two facets to his game, his pass selection has got better and better and better. Very, very good at that. But that footwork when he beat Dale Finucane, like nobody oh. beats Finucane. He, he, you nobody. know, also, too, people don't give you much credit for it. He's wrestle. Um, they're not really a, a known for being a wrestle side, the Rabbitohs, but he's got some of the best technique in the game. Like, mm. you, you watch him when he's wrestling, how – and he plays 13, he plays 80 minutes, makes – I think in the grand final last year against Penrith, he made like 50 tackles and didn't miss one. Yeah, well. Like, that's, that's, it might not sound like a lot in, you know, the grand scheme of things, but 50 tackles and each one being slow, as a 13, that is pivotal, like very pivotal mm, to a side. That's why we brought you in this morning, mate, for that little <laughs> bit of insight of people who used to do it, but people who are doing it now. Just well quickly done. with Cam Murray as well, when you go back to the series that New South Wales has lost, guess who got knocked out and also injured in. So Cam Murray in 2020, when, you know, worst side ever or whatever, beat New South Wales. Cam Murray goes down with a hammy injury in the first five minutes. Game three this year, guess who gets knocked out right at the start of the game? Like, that's how important this guy is to yeah. every side that he's in. You talk, you talk Nathan Cleary's kicking game, and he's going to be crucial for the Panthers to win. Brian Toto. Mm. If Brian Toto continues to run... 200 plus yeah, meters, machine. 90 post contact meters that he mm. gets. I don't know how he does it. Is there Penrith home with that sort of meterage from him? I think, look, Ben, I, I think he makes that meterage regardless. Yeah, you know, even if they're not, if they're off their game slightly, you know, Toto is going to run for over 200 meters. Yeah. It's just what it's just what he does. Interestingly, Toto yeah. has come out and said he's waiting till the end of the year to re sign. Yeah. So I wonder whether, you know, does that 
affect anything? Is it? I mean, it's the timing of it is really interesting. Well, the fact that this week we'd be talking about you it. You can imagine Big Daddy Dolphin up there, Wayne, <laughs> just be floating around. Hey, Brian, how are you? <laughs> Mate. Boys, who wins, Jack, do you think? I, I just think we, uh, when, you, when you look at, like, the last game, Rabbits, Roosters, and you see they can execute and score tries with two men down, I just find it so hard to look past the Rabbitohs in this game. Well, yeah. Emotionally, okay. too. Mm. I think Panthers and Panthers win well. Mm. I think three big weeks for the Rabbitohs in a row is going to take its toll. I reckon... I reckon Penrith will win. Oh, I'm going to go Penrith just by a little bit. Jack, if bunnies win, you're a junior. You'll all get a text message. <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the DNA. We'll take a break. <laughs> Sound advice next. Yes, brought to you by Mate Internet and Mobile. Make the switch to Mate Internet and Mobile. Mate 5G mobile plans from just 40 bucks. It's time for Sound Advice, and today Jack is going to direct his attention to a man who we view as part of the Johns family, the extended family, Ozzy Osbourne, and his album, Blizzard of Oz. Jack, Ozzy Osbourne. Now, Ozzy, from 25 to 40-year-olds, Ozzy is enjoying huge popularity. Why is he so popular? Oh, mate, besides besides the the music, he's got... Like, he's got some of the, the best music of the last 50 years. But I think his personality, um, people love his personality. Like, he's, he, he takes the piss out of himself more than anyone, and he makes himself look a bit silly sometimes. But mm. I think it's, he's such a likeable personality that it's, it's just um, come in his favour after all these years. Um, is he an excellent singer or, uh, or just a brilliant character and performer? I, I think both. I think he actually is an excellent singer. You, you listen to the, some of those early Black Sabbath albums, especially Paranoid. He has got really good vocals. Um, but, you know, he, he, I'd say over the last 50 years, his characters might have... I'd say a lot of people wouldn't even know uh, that he was in Black Sabbath like just because of, you know, some of his reality work as, with the Os- Osbournes and, and his wife, Sharon Osbourne. Yeah, I, like I was going to ask you, you know, it's easy for us to just assume that he was this beloved character when his music was really, really popular. Was was he seen in this same kind of like goofy, fun light, or was he seen as like that's it's a heavy metal band, like it's a it's a rock band? I, I think back in the day, looking at some of the um, the comments from like critics and all that sort of stuff, he was a heavy rocker, the Prince of Darkness, mm. um, especially like like the the first. Um, Sabbath album was in like 1970 and then I think 71 or 72 Paranoid come out when you think about like that like that time frame like you've only got like you've still got early beat like those late Beatles albums Mm. coming out then so at the same time you're having songs like Paranoid come out they Mm. they don't really like personally for me as a as a younger listener um, and obviously not being around back then I, I try and comprehend how on one side of the radio that's getting played, let it be, and mm. um, you know, get back from the Beatles. And then on the other, the other side, on the in the same year, you've got Paranoid, War Pigs, uh, Iron Man being played on the radio. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty well, pretty cool. It's interesting there, Jack, because you know, at, at that time, you've got in, in the north of England, yeah, you know, you got you got the Beatles and you have got all these iconic bands, and Birmingham's just down the road. You know, down down's just two hours south, and Birmingham at the same time has Led Zeppelin. You know, later on to have, uh, you know, Duran Duran, Dexy's Midnight Runners, ELO, Judas Priest, Spencer Davis Group, UB40, and, of course, it's just so vast. 
the difference in the music. Yeah, well, Black Sabbath were, you know, in Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath was, you, you would say, the the forerunner of heavy metal music. They're the ones that really started. Like Led Zeppelin, yeah, have been, you know, yeah. people like to go, oh, Led Zeppelin, the first heavy metal band. But Black Sabbath were the first <clears throat> dark, like, dangerous. Like, they, they owned it. You know, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. You, you look at, some people look at all the symbols, like, of Robert Plant and Jimmy Page and say, you know, satanic things. But that sort of came throughout their albums and they sort of, they, they didn't want to accept that because they obviously, like, they had a lot of references to, you know, Tolkien books and yeah. all these different things and different lyrics. But Ozzy Osbourne and, yeah. <laughs> and Black yeah. Sabbath, they claimed, <laughs> yeah. they, they, not only did they claim it, they tried to one-up it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and from their spawn, like your Iron Maidens and your Slayers was, and your Metallicas. Was, yeah. this, was this their debut album, Jack? Uh, this album for this is Ozzy's debut solo album. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is this came ten years after the Sabbath debut album. Yeah. Um, this one, yeah, this one did very well. Like this actually outsold any any Black Sabbath album. This one, Blizzard wow. of Oz, um, because he was sacked. Yeah, sacked from Sabbath. <clears throat> Jeez, that takes a lot to do. Yeah. How do you get sacked from a satanic well, he, band? It's like Fletch going, mate, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> mate, last night you were really loose. Gone. <laughs> well, he's been in and out ever since. Like they've, yeah. they've made a nice little comeback now, actually. In the last few weeks, they performed at the um, the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham uh, yeah. a few weeks yeah. ago. So that's they, right. um, and he was outstanding. Mate, they were, they were unreal. And, and the opening game of the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, sorry, opening game of the NFL season, the LA Rams. He, he played there. Ozzy yeah. did. Yeah, yeah Ozzy yeah, right. played yeah, there. They yeah. played uh, Crazy did, Train. Did, yeah, didn't. Mate, it looks like he's had a little bit of work. A lot. He might have. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like when you watch the Osbournes and you, and you hear him speak now, he's like, uh, how does he still get out there and Ozzie, sing? He's like, uh, yeah. Barbara Walters, Ozzy, are you sober now? Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Jack um, and Benny, oh. anything... Odd about uh, the, about this album. I, the thing about this album that I personally love is not Ozzy Osbourne. This is this is Randy Rhodes uh, for those nerdish metal kids out there. Randy Rhodes, legendary guitarist uh, who played with Quite right. Yep, yep, yep. Before coming to before being drafted into um, uh, black, uh, into this Aussies. this band, Ozzy Osbourne's yeah, band. Because yeah, they, they, it was Ozzy, it was actually seen yeah. as Ozzy Osbourne. They didn't want to make it another band. And he uh, obviously met Ozzy. Apparently, he turned up in an audition. Ozzy apparently was slaughtered, Cessnock drunk. Yep. Uh, doesn't <laughs> like Randy. <laughs> Randy said at the time, I, "There's no way." Obviously, he remembered that audition. Anyway, next day, got the call. You're in the band. Made two. Classic albums with Ozzy, and then passed away um, after just before, uh, just after making that second album. Okay, th- Jack, there's a song, a lot of controversy called "Suicide Solution." In there, there was a, a lot of controversy around that song. Got sued. Sued, yeah, yeah. right. They, um, Upon what grounds? Uh, lyrically, I believe. Yeah, yeah guy, right. a guy, um, a young man in England killed himself. Yep. And he he was playing that song on his. Oh, okay. Oh, that's why yeah. he got sued for. There was a yeah. nod during the album to Bon Scott, which he was very good friends with Bon Scott, and which alluded to Bon Scott his passing and says wine is fine, but whiskey is quicker. Yeah. In the thing, yes, yes. So it's a pretty dark lyrics. It's pretty, it's pretty dark lyrics. The one, the one thing I was just talking about Randy Rose. And I'll, I'll tell the story because this is to me, this is rock and roll. Tragedy, rock and roll. Like there's there's people that die in you know bus crashes and there's people that have overdoses. This is rock and roll. So Randy Rhodes, they're at a like someone's you know property out out in the English countryside. The tour bus has stopped. 
Aussie Sharon, they're all asleep in it. Randy Rhodes and the tour and the tour manager go, oh, we'll do something funny because there was planes and helicopters nearby. They've jumped. The tour managers can fly a plane, gets in a plane. They start uh, flying, like dive bombing the tour bus, so like buzzing the tower to wake up Sharon and Aussie. They did it twice successfully. Third time, clips the bus, crashes. Dead. Is that not Both. one of the most? That is rock and roll. That is one of the most crazy things. <laughs> rock and roll. Oh, right. That is how did, you, how did he die? He clipped the tour bus to, to bust in the tower. Yeah, Jack, Jack, the tower. Jack, your favourite bizarre Aussie Osborne story. Mate, there are, God, there's some. There are so many. Uh, there, there is some weird stuff going on. I, I've obviously told a few times now the the snorting the line of ants, uh, the colony I mean, of ants. Who hasn't done that? Um, <laughs> my, one more. <laughs> One of my favourite favorite ones is uh, obviously uh, on the Osbournes, there was sort of uh, as one of the early reality shows in the 2000s. You can thank the, um, the Kardashians, can thank Ozzy Osbourne for that. But they actually, they caught him. He lost the cat, right? <laughs> <laughs> he lost the cat in the, uh, in the house and he's, he's going around. He's, he's, he's trying to text Sharon, I've lost, I've lost my cat. Can you find the cat? Where where's the cat? And he started getting these weird calls. It was Robert Plant. He was actually texting Robert Plant. <laughs> where I've lost my cat. Oh, that is good. Oh. And I saw the interview you showed me last night where he bit the head off the bat. Someone passed it to him in the audience and he thought it was a rubber bat and he went and bit the head off and it was a real bat. Yeah. And they said, What it tastes like? He goes, It was, it was rather salty. <laughs> he thought it was a rubber chicken. You rubber chicken. The um I, a little thing that I love about him is uh he you know, and that's probably why people love him. He accepts that he's a bit mad, and he forgets that he he accepts that he's very forgetful and, and losing his marbles a little bit. Right here, when this this would have been early days too. When Sharon asked when we're going to get married, he begged her to have the Fourth of July to get married, so he would never forget. Oh, that's good. Oh, nice, beautiful, that's stuff. nice one, Jack. That's yeah. good. Before we before we go to a break, we're going to do a sound advice. Is this day in rock history? Okay, on this day. Uh, the last time Bob Marley and the Whalers ever appeared on stage in the Stanley Theatre of Pittsburgh, he collapsed, went to hospital, diagnosed with cancer. Last time he did. Right. Buddy Holly's, that'll be the day, was number one hit in 1957. 1978, 10cc, number one hit with like Holiday. Um, friend of the show, um, Shaggy, number one in the US and UK <laughs> with Mr. Bombastic. And uh, Slipknot. Uh, Slipknot's lead singer Corey Taylor released a statement today denying he was dead. We'll take a break. <laughs> Coming up uh, pretty soon, we're going to talk to Brodie Croft. Now, Southwood Rugby League Club is one of the oldest clubs in the history of rugby league and has been very good to a couple of NRL players. Jackson Hastings, of course, rebuilt his career there. And so has this man. Brodie Croft, along with Hastings, is classed as one of Australia's greatest imports at the great uh, Salford club and in their history and uh, he has just won Super League's player of the year. The man is still got him on the line. Brody, welcome to the show, mate. Matty, how you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, good good chat. Been a bit, been a minute. Yeah, it's been a while, mate. Um, i tell you what, uh, I'll say, firstly, congratulations on the award. We kept tabs on you through the year. Our producer on our, uh, on our Sunday night show in at Fox Sports, his old man is a a huge Salford fan, as is him. So we've been watching what you've been doing. What is it about that club? I mean, Jackson did some great things there. You've just followed his footsteps. Um, oh, for me, certainly when I first got here, just the people. Um, 
the players here, they made me feel real welcome. The coaching staff, um, they had a lot of belief in me from day one. And um, yes, yeah, particularly when I first got over here, because it was winter when I first come over. And so you got some dark, dark days there. Like the sun goes down at buddy 3.30 in the afternoon. So it's like just hanging around them and that, the hope that they had of the summers and everything, they got me through the winter. But um, they, uh, just, a, just a good good bunch of boys. And, and then the fans as well, like... <clears throat> They, they just got behind me really early on and um, it was pretty early on in the season that like got a chant going for me as well and I was like, bloody hell, like, I've never had this before. Oh, that's so, right, that I heard it. Bro- well. Brody's a wanker. <laughs> 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 uh, hey, mate, uh, obviously, you know, going over there, it's a tough couple of years for yourself. You go to the Broncos. Yourself and Tommy Dearden have been a real, like, I guess Cinderella story did and goes to the Cowboys, plays really well yourself. You bounce back in a Super League, man of steel. How did you work on your confidence? Was there an issue with confidence at all? Because, it, I mean, it was a tough couple of years. Yeah, certainly, yeah. It was probably just frustrating more than anything, knowing that, because I, I always had that belief in myself of what I'm capable of as a footballer. But, yeah, just things weren't working out there in Brisbane. Um, and, yeah, I've said it a few times this year to a few people that are like, um, like Brisbane weren't trying to, they weren't pushing me out or anything. They Campy was more than happy for me to see out my deal there in Brisbane in another year, but I just felt like I was button heads against a brick wall. Um, no matter how hard I tried at training and all that things just weren't working out. So um yeah, I thought for the best thing for my career, um, probably would be to get a kind of new lease on life and a fresh start somewhere and um yeah, fortunately Salford come along and um yeah, particularly as you mentioned earlier, Jackson Hastings and his story here at Salford and uh, what they kind of did for him, um, that gave me a bit more belief as well as what I'm coming into over here. And, um, and, and yeah, as I said earlier as well, that the boys just really brought me in. Um, and, and, yeah, just as a really special group of guys and just a good club to be around. And, um, yeah, when, when things are going well off the field and, and you're feeling that enjoyment, often football correlates to it on the field. So... Um, yeah, I was fortunate to play some good football on the back of that. Hey, uh, hey Brody, it's just Jack, mate. I was just, um, you were just saying then, you were just talking about pretty glowingly about your teammates um, there at Salford. When you were at the Broncos, you were, you know, you and Paddy Carrigan were chucked the uh, leadership as uh, co-captains pretty, pretty early and pretty young. I think you're only like 22. Um, what, mm. um, what's it like? What's, what are the players there, especially the senior players? What are they like there at uh, at Salford? Yeah, they're, they're really good. Some that Salford I picked up really early on was just like the the older age group, like on average. So the age group probably at the club would be around 27, 28. So uh, it, it is a bit of an older group. Um, so, and in the spine that I was coming into, the halfback Mark Schneed, he's, he's 31 or so. He'd just been signed as well. And he's won a couple Challenge Cups over here. Um, so... Um, yeah, he's already had so much experience in the Super League, and then the fullback Ryan Brilly as well, um, 29, and he's just a rugby league nerd. So we yeah. often hang out and just chat rugby, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is good. Uh, I, I like that. So um, yeah, ha- having those sort of older heads around me, I felt definitely helped myself as well. Um, yeah, perform on the footy field. Yeah, Brody, we're talking about something the other day. Like Mitchell Moses over here, you've probably been following him last six weeks been the best you know, form of his career. And we're talking about the playmakers, until they get older, really don't understand their own game. And when they fully understand their own game, you, you see them go to another level. 
it seems to me over there that you finally understand your own game and what works for you. What? Okay, you tell me what what is your game? What makes you? What takes you to the next level? Uh, it's funny you say this, Matty, because I remember coming around to your place oh, a few years ago now, and a lot of the conversations that we had at that time, I had my notepad and I'd take them all down, and um, yeah, I work hard at it, but uh, yeah, coming towards this year and a lot of the conversations I've had with those older players in those key positions and the coaching staff here has actually brought up a lot of what we said back then and refreshed my memory and uh, and not only refreshed it, but for some reason, as you said, as you get a bit older, it just somehow clicks a little. And, um, and, and yeah, it's true. You, you hear the saying a lot, when you get older, things get a bit slower for you. Like, it just it just seems the game goes a bit slower, even though it's fast, it's a fast game. Um, you, you see things a bit clearer and um, it, it comes a bit easier. And, uh, yeah, the coaching staff have really brought the best out of me with that, I feel. Um I mean, I could talk about it all day here, to be honest. We've got a three-hour show, so go for it. Hey, mate. uh, Just getting to your spots and playing your numbers. So, yeah, that's probably the main thing, getting your spots, playing your numbers and knowing your strengths um, and not trying to be the best at everything, just trying to be the best at what you know you're good at. Hey, mate, um, the English are known for their banter and obviously Australia, every squad has a massive pest. What is the banter like over there? And is it is there a higher pest-to-player ratio in England, do you think? <laughs> yeah, Kevin, I would agree with that, mate. Um, <laughs> certainly early on, I um, tried to just pick up the accents, but he, that's tough enough because, um, yeah, some of them have got real strong accents. And the northerners up here, it's hard to distinguish their accent and, and what they're trying to say sometimes. So I'll just laugh ahead and nod at them and, yeah. See, as if I'm going along with it, I really don't know what's half the words they're saying. But um, one, it actually helps my missus because she's English. So when I come home and ask her, oh, they keep calling someone a twat. And I'm like, oh. And she's like, oh, that's a bad word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, uh, hey Brody, Jack again, mate. Hey, um, do you think uh, you'll come back to the NRL next season or, or possibly uh, in the near future? Um, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Uh, I'd never write off coming back to NRL. Uh, coming over here at such a young age, yeah, it's always uh, interesting what what the career path's going to be. And I never, to be honest, I never thought of ever come over here in the first place. So, um, mm. yeah, my, my contract at the moment is still here for next year. So, um, funnily enough, I've got to catch up with my manager tomorrow. So, yeah, mm. <laughs> see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, as I said, I'm enjoying my time here at the moment. Um, yeah, Salford's been so good to me this year, and I still have another year left in my contract here. That, um, yeah, it'd be good if we could buddy, do something special next year as well, if, if that's a chance, because we did come so close this year and just a, such a hard bunch of working guys that, yeah, it'd be good to get some silverware if we could. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mate, it's really been... It's been fantastic to see you rise over there and fulfil your potential. And good to see the Salford Club. The last couple of years have been outstanding. I mean, Salford used to be a place renowned for scoring drugs, now scoring tries, which is a real improvement. <laughs> Brody, champion, mate. Well done. Congratulations again. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Gavin and Jack. Appreciate it, guys. See you, mate. Cheers, bro. Yeah, brought to you by Master Builders New South Wales. Upskill with the Master Builders qualification. I did. And... Uh, there's a reason why, uh, mate, nailed that, uh, put that nail into the wall and mm. hung that picture. <laughs> so Trisha's 
Thank you, Master Builders, New South Wales. Last night, huge night in sport. Firstly, the women's basketball side, the Opals. They played uh, France in the opening game of uh, their World Cup campaign. Went down in an upset. France winning 70-57. to uh, 57. French were on fire with the three pointers. Every time we worked ourselves back in the game, they just kept slamming them. Lauren Jackson, of course, the champion Lauren Jackson, is back. Really reduced minutes last night. Playing the long game with Lauren, but bottom line is they play Mali tonight. They have to win. You would expect they will. Uh, last night, the Socceroos took on New Zealand uh, in a friendly leading into the World Cup. We won 1-0. Alex really lacked lacked a bit of potency up front. Couldn't say. agree more. I couldn't have summed it up better, Matty. Um, yeah. Dominated the game. We've got better players than the Kiwis, but um, mm. there's a, a little bit of a lack of cohesion and... I- cutting edge going forward at the moment. It's a bit like, you know, I remember watching the the Italians play through the back 90s mm. where they're just obsessed with retaining possession mm. rather than, mate, use it or mm. lose it a little bit. Yeah, I think that's where we're getting stuck. We are actually quite good through midfield last night. Asian Krustic and Aaron Moy played quite well. Jackson Irvine as well, uh, mm. I thought, looked pretty good. Mm. Um but once we got up front, Adam Taggart was – I felt sorry for him last night. Just yeah. couldn't get the ball to him. Uh, yeah. Our Mobile was fantastic, got that Very goal. Good. And Martin Boyle grew into the game. Um, but they're just putting all those pieces together is the challenge for Arnie. World, World Cup is basically almost upon us now, mm. Alex. Now, there's been a lot of conjecture about Qatar, whether they should have got it. There's talks of bribery and mm. a lot of it has been proven anyway. Uh, this World Cup. Is it going to be a success? Is it going to be a failure? Is it going to be an out-and-out disaster? What are you hearing? Well, if you're a FIFA executive, it's going to be great. You're going to be up in a hotel, one of the few hotels in Doha. They've uh, brought in two cruise ships to house some of the fans. The rest of them are going to be out in tents in the desert, which is going to be great fun in the middle of summer. So they're bringing cruise ships for accommodation? Yes. There are not enough hotels. So basically, FIFA have been allocated, uh, have been Basically, given every hotel, allocate them as you wish. 80% have gone to their own committee and the teams. 20% have gone to their sponsors, leaving 0% for the fans. That's the only place you can get alcohol consistently. There'll be two fan activation zones. One is open right in the middle of Doha. It'll have the big screen, as you see at World Cups all the time. That'll be serving alcohol from 6 till 11, 6 p.m. till 11 p.m. And those will be going at about 12 to 15 pounds uh, a schooner, which will, you know, that's going to add up very quickly. And then they've also brought over the big spider from Glastonbury. If you go and have a look at that on YouTube, there's some great scenes with that. They've shipped it over to Doha and they're basically going to be running an all day rave there mm. as well as the second fan activation zone. That'll be serving alcohol from 10 in the morning until five o'clock the next morning, but you'll be paying $80 for the privilege of getting in there every day. Wow. So well, this is this is the done with uh, Qatar. The moment they'll give it, they had all these promises they're going to do as far as stadiums and whatnot. They've fulfilled about a quarter of them. And this is another one. They said, you know, with alcohol and big part of the World Cup. You know, let's, you know we're not well, like we're alcoholics here, but I mean, some of us are. Jack, you're a disgrace. <laughs> but, um, but you know, a lot of this is promised. And suddenly, again, scaling it back. I'll tell you, Alex, this will lead to, mate, the, can you imagine the English fans over there? Hundred uh, percent. Wales are going over there. Their first World Cup since nineteen fifty-eight. Like it's just going to be so different. And like you, it's, funneling them into well, you a specific spot to get drunk together, it, as if there isn't going to be massive blues. You can't host a World Cup in one city. 
let alone one that's only as big as Doha. It's I'm very interested to see how it plays out. I'm yeah. glad uh, glad I'm not going. Yeah, I reckon you're going to be quite jealous, Cole. That that spider for that rave <laughs> sounds pretty awesome. I know, mate. You love a rave. I absolutely love a rave. And mate, what about too? The winner is going to be Tent City. They're going to put they're going to put fans from all over the world on a cruise ship together. So like German fans, mm. French fans, Spanish fans. God, the Italians aren't there. Oh, Jeez. mate. Man. What about the tents out in the desert? Like, oh. are you serious? Well, that, but it's, yeah, but they say, oh, it's not summer. But what happens in a desert in the middle of night in winter? Oh, it gets yeah. bloody cold. Yeah, it's cold. going to be, and Doha is cold. It gets really cold. Hey, Plus, hey, sandstorms hit. Hey, hang on a second. Ooh. Let me go back on that. Why come at my Italians? Because we don't get we don't get emotional. Don't come at us Italians. You know what? If you're not good enough to be there, Jack, yeah. then you're not oh, good enough. Wow. I like I like us Australians. Aussies. Calm, calm. Yeah. You know, very precise Australians. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm just still thinking about the desert and those coyotes. Uh, we'll take a break after the break, metal recyclers. Yes, a little bit later, we've got to move you the week. Uh, the Warriors with Liam Alexander. Look forward to that. But uh, brought to you by Top Dollar Metal Recyclers. Visit topdollar.com.au. Coming back bigger and better than ever, people. Jimmy Barnes is back for the uh, NRL Grand Final. Uh, headlining an assortment of acts, including uh, Diesel. Diesel. Can't wait. Yeah, which is exciting. The whole, you know, we've been on the NRL all year about give us good, good halftime entertainment. Yeah. Give the people our, what they want. And they've done that. They've given us Barnsley and Diesel. Mm. Yeah. It's good. We, um, when we were in Miami for the Super Bowl, it was incredible. It was uh, J-Lo and it was uh, Shakira. That's, Mate, that's not diesel and bars. Well, I got a surprise. We're going to get Ben Affleck playing at uh, <laughs> at the NRL Grand Final. Uh, stay tuned, people. We'll take a break. Slice of Denon coming up next. Yeah, we've got Search and Enjoy coming pretty soon where Ben takes us to a bit of a left of centre destination, places where he's lived, worked or travelled. We've had Doha, Ethiopia, Iran, Tanzania, Sri Lanka. And uh, today, Ben, we're going to go to the subcontinent again with India, huh? We're going to India today. I look forward to it. Yeah. Excellent. But it's time now for Slice of Denon. Denon, you've caught up with a man who, uh, well, he's been very much in the headlines for all the right reasons. Mm, all the right reasons. All the right reasons. Junior Paolo, uh, look, you know, he may seem inhuman. He's such a big beast and he's so dominant on the field. But his first day at the Eels, uh, he had a very human experience uh, just before fitness. And I'll let the uh, audio speak for itself. Because I think it was a tough loss the week before. So yep. the boys are getting towed up. <laughs> I go, oh, what a welcome, man. Yeah. First session. Mad fitness. Oh, and then we're running. Um, he doesn't tell us how, how many we have left. Mm. I'm running besides Rennie. Um, and Rennie and um, Ben Smith. Mm. And I'm just thinking, I can't just stop the session and ask Elkie if I need to go toilet. <laughs> Stomach's rumbling. <laughs> it's oh, it's not rumbling, it's turning. It's like, <laughs> proper, like, cramping up. I'm, like, oh. I'm just running. And then I think we are like, we are done first set. And then, like, there was a small little 20, 30-second break. Should I run now? And yeah. I was like, but wait, do I ask? Do I have to ask to go toilet? <laughs> and then... Um, so we kept running, started second set, and I'm just there running. I'm like, it's knocking on the door. Like, this is my first session. I can't shit myself in front of the boys. <laughs> I don't know if I was sweating more from 
running or, or the, just <laughs> yeah. actually got to the last rep and then he finally blew the whistle that the session was done i just ran straight straight off the field <laughs> guilford um mccready oval's got like we've got the defenses surrounding it but the ones near the benches are pretty high <laughs> I sprinted straight off and I hurdled it. <laughs> and I can't even jump the fence. Normally. Just, yeah. So I hurdled the fence straight up. Uh, just just <laughs> made it. <sighs> yeah. Were the, boys, were the boys going, woo? Yeah, the boys were just laughing. Like, where was he going? <laughs> oh, that is good. What a champion. Oh, absolutely. He's a, he's a gentle giant. A gentle giant, as they say. Uh, but yeah, I mean... It's a good clip because obviously having food poisoning earlier this week, I can uh, definitely relate to the big junior polo. But also, uh, just talking about junior polo, how how his incredible career and how far he's come. You know, we we have to remember he left the Eels under a bit, you know, uh, not controversial, but he had that uh, dinner with some, I guess, some figures that didn't. Many who like to ride bikes. <laughs> yeah, they like to bike bikes. Per- great people, <laughs> and so. <laughs> Very easy for a young man to kind of get caught up in that and go down that yeah. route. Comes back to the Eels, plays for New South Wales. You know, it's just it, he is him and RCG. They are the key to victory for the mm. Eels on the weekend. He's done a lot of uh, such great work out west. There's a lot of young guys out west has been spoken about a lot. Gang violence is a big, big problem oh, out yeah. there. He's part of a program at the moment to make them aware and try to get them away from that. So well done to him on that. He's Great footballer. We've had him on the show numerous times on the Sunday night. He's just a, such a great bloke, such a fantastic. I can relate to the um, to the episode of you know the old Puma pants. Was um, do you remember the time, Jack? The now, gum? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, I, was I, that I, not the one you're going to tell? Yeah, no, that's that the, the one. one? Oh. No, it's the, I've done it a few times. Um, okay, so I've I've ridden the bike the bike shop, Trish said, I'll follow. I said, no, it's a nice day. I'll walk back, go past the service station, get some extra gum. Now, you might see the back of a, the gum packet that's got uh, excess use will lead, uh, basically has a laxative effect. So I just stuff it all in my mouth. I'm walking home. I get about a couple of k's from home and all of a sudden I thought, and I go, okay, right now. I just sort of hold on here and I start a slow jog. And then it dawns on me, I've gone, I don't have a key to get in the house and Trish is going to get the boys from school. So I've looked over in the distance near the, over near a, uh, near the golf course and there's some public toilet blocks there. So I wait for a break in the traffic to sprint across Pitwater Road. And you know, once, once you actually start to run, it's all over. Like, you know, like, and, and I just go, and I'm in a park where everyone's walking their dogs. I just drop my, tra- I drop my <laughs> pants and I'm like hopping along as it's like, it's just pouring out of me, right? And people are just staring. Anyway, so I, I, pull, I pull the pants up and I mosey on home. Not a K walking, just, anyway, I get home. Anyway, Trish still isn't back. From picking, uh, from picking the boys up from school. So I'm sitting on the front lawn, and all of a sudden I go, starts again. I'm going, no. I, th- I think you've got the idea. Now, there's not – it's hard to describe the feeling towards your father you get when you hop out of the car back from school, and there's um, – a couple slugs oh, along yeah. along the uh, grass there. Oh. Everyone's gone. Is that? And I'm sitting there, just real down in the mouth, the sad clown. <laughs> and Trish goes, "What have you done?" I said, "Well, <laughs> I think it speaks for itself. It's amazing when you go normally into a, a toilet how it's contained, but how much there really is when you actually do it on the grass." Anyway, nonetheless, big story. Perfect segue. Oh. Big story in rugby league. Joseph Sawali'i who 
Uh, Joseph has rejected the uh, the chance to play for Australia and declared he will play for Samoa. Uh, it's come as a surprise. I, I will say that I think it is fantastic. I really Joe and I sort out uh, that we were sort out if we were interested in coaching Samoa. There was talk of discontent. Um, we said, yep, absolutely. My only motivation for Joey and I was to try and finally establish them as a team who could reach their potential. And that's starting to happen now. So players declaring, and I, could, I couldn't be happier. It's a very good side. Tonga are going to be strong. New Zealand, very, very strong. I think New Zealand will win it. Uh, England, unknown. Uh, Fiji and PNG always improve. I tell you what, it is going to be a great World Cup. But boys, Suali'i, I think it. I applaud him for doing it. Yeah, I mean, at this young age, uh, to just go, you know what, uh, family has, you know, my par- grandparents and have been really good in supporting me to get where I am to go to Samoa. I think it's incredible for the international game. If there's one knock on rugby league, it's the fact that our international game is just, yeah. you know, it's almost just non-existent compared yeah. to... We're so origin-centric. So origin-centric. And the only way we're going to grow, especially, you know, it's one thing with rugby league that I think that it's it's shocking to me that we don't take advantage of it. But we have... You know, the Pacific Islands love rugby league. There are millions of people. Why do we not dominate these uh, areas with rugby league and give them pathways so they have better chance at a better life? But then also, it expands the game where the Rugby League World Cup becomes actually entertaining. Yes. And it's it's a showcase to the rest of the world. Plus, the one thing that Rugby Union always says, yeah, but your international game is terrible. Well, if we can, you know, yeah. if we can sort that out, all of a sudden we go, boom, we are the, the rugby code I, to play. I've said it for a while. I, I think by 2030, we should have a Pacifica team in the NRL. Yep. And where you're based, you work all that out. But it, it's just, in my opinion, it's a no-brainer. It's a must. Suali'i, Jack, what incredible talent, the way he's emerged in the last six months. Now, you're at South when he sort of wandered in there as a schoolboy mm. in the 2020 yeah, season yeah. was it? Yeah, we were training at Marrickville, and I remember um, they gave him approval to have. Might have been at King's College then. I'm not too sure. Uh, oh, actually, he might not have even been there. He might not have even been there yet. He was might have been just that. He might have been there the next year because he was only like. I can't remember his age. We were sitting there passing the ball at Marrickville because, you know, all the younger boys come in real early at training. Um, come into training, um, early stages of preseason and. I was passing the ball with him. And I was like, oh, yeah, mate, you're getting to know him. Yeah, Joseph, yeah, nice to meet you, mate. You know, I had no idea until maybe a few weeks later. Like, we're doing full-blooded wrestle sessions, contact, full-blooded, and he was ripping in. Like, to, to think that he was 16 at that stage, I was, I was in disbelief. Like, if, when I was his age, I wouldn't have been able to last part of a session uh, in the NRL for a preseason, let alone he was ripping into blokes. Like, at yeah. 16, and, and you look today, oh, yeah. he is dominating rucks. You know, he's a 19-year-old dominating and skittling rucks. Now, imagine when he's 25 years old, beginning to get his man strength. Let's say he stays injury-free. Like Suali'i, he is – sometimes you get the whole, you know, this could be anything, this kid could be yeah. anything, and you get all that hype. He is genuinely living up to everything that we hoped he would be. Magic round, I reckon, Dennis, when the penny dropped – watching him magic around. Before that, you could see he was getting, just trying to find uh, find his place in the team, trying to find his role in the game and trying to just get a handle on the physicality. I think because what happened is he was trying to work out, okay, what what is my job in this side? And when you're an ex- outstanding young kid like he was, 
you sort of, you, you view yourself as more of a flair player, mm. the guy who puts the icing on the cake, where suddenly at NRL level, if you're a winger, you're a yardage man as well. Mm. You know, that's one of the most, probably the most important part of your game. And I reckon it was in that magic round, the penny dropped. And some of those carries he did in the magic round, he was just charging at the defence. Yep. That's when you go, mate, this kid, he's got a handle on it. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, we look at guys like Inglis and Izzy, that's probably a part of their game they didn't really do. You know, like yeah. they, they didn't really have to go through that that uh, growth phase of going, okay, yeah, you've got all this crazy talent, we know that, but we need you to do the, the, the tough stuff in the middle and, and run hard, which I think is setting Suali'i up just to be an absolute monster. We, we spoke earlier... We spoke earlier about, obviously, the Cowboys and their forward pack and, you know, what they're going to do to power and stuff like that. I went to the Cowboys-Roosters game. It was probably round 21, 22, um, down there at SCG. So, he took up some hits and he destroyed that Cowboys pack. He was going through the middle. He was aiming for Cotter and he went through them, like, to bust the line. Yeah. So, it just shows how he, – he had a game that day that was unbelievable. And I sort of went – Wow. Like yeah. That guy's going through fully grown, yeah. mm. you know, very strong packs. It's got to be one of the quickest rises from Harold Matz too. Like the Harold Matz competition in New South Wales, year 15, 16. He played like one season, like I think one season just before COVID maybe, uh, when he was 15 at fullback. And to think it's that incredible. within a couple of years he was playing first grade, it's like imagine his – like trying to process you physically, but mentally, him trying to process running into full-blooded, like full-grown yeah. men that are physical beasts every week in, week out. Like I can't yeah. imagine what. Uh, and it's credit to the Roosters because they would have had to have done a lot of uh, work with him. Because definitely, and of late, Jack. I mean, he's had a lot of publicity of late. It's just been water for ducks back. It hasn't worried. So he's obviously got the right temperament as mm, well. Very impressive. Um, one, one of the bunnies fans are sitting there saying, "Hang on, we." Yeah. Did we have him? <laughs> what? What? How did we let him go to our arch rival? I mean, oh, what happened? A, it's there? such a tough one. I, I feel yeah. sorry for the Rabbitohs because you're right. I'm sure they're all sitting there going, "Wow, wow!" But yeah, the clauses this weekend. The clauses in his car. I, I can see where they're coming from. You know, like the clauses. He can basically. Yeah. I think that you know, in the first half of the year, he can essentially go if he wants to go, pretty much. Yep. Yes. Um, but I agree. Like the, the Rabbitohs must be going, wow. Yeah, if you if you had him and uh, Latrell, Latrell oh my this weekend, Penrith would have uh yeah to be. If I was one of those players, would go stop the fun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a break, search and enjoy next. Whatever you bet on, take it to the next level. Gamble responsibly. And we've got him on the line, Jared Timms. Welcome, mate. Morning, Matty. Thrilled to be back for some big prelims. Oh, mate, what a weekend of sport. Now, firstly, uh, tonight, North Queensland at home. Versus Parramatta Eels. Outstanding way to start the weekend, Maddie. The Cows fresh from a week off. The Eels backing up from a dominant win over the Raiders. Probably unsurprisingly, up in Townsville, the Cows are our $1.68 favourites at Nets. $2.20 about the Eels. $2 lines, two and a half points. What about first try scorer in this one? Yeah, some of the most prolific try scorers in the league stepping out here, of course, Maddie. A four-way tie at the top of the market as well this morning. Marcus Sevo, Kyle Felt. Murray Suolungi and the Hammer, $10 each. Now, Panthers versus Souths. Grand final last year, grand final qualifier this year. Yeah, the Panthers, the benchmark of the NRL for a few seasons. Now, I thought they made a real statement against the Eels a couple of weeks ago as well. They're $1.36 favourites this week. 
But the Bunnies, arguably the form team left standing, so some real value around them, perhaps $3.15. Now, Souths have covered the line in each of their last 10 finals matches. The $2, about eight and a half points for them, looks great value for mine. Right, where's the value? First try score. Well, with Taylor May ruled out, the Nets punters are expecting the Panthers to absolutely hammer Brian Toss side of the field. He's our seven dollar fifty favourite now. Alex Johnston is the nine dollar twenty five top elect for the Bunnies. Well, Timsey, you've done it again, mate. Have a great weekend. <laughs> Thanks, Matty. Good luck, punters. There you go, Jared Tins from Neds. Most importantly, people gamble responsibly. Ned's Same Game Multi is available on more sports than ever before. Take it to the Ned's level. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Yes, and uh, we've got a movie of the week coming up. The Warriors, that iconic line, Warriors, come out to play. Yay. Um, Liam Alexander, he's down there filming the parade for the um, AFL Grand Final. Yes, he's droning he's got over, the drone the, yeah. over the top. Yes. And at the moment, he's been held up because... Ben, might be a chance that, Ben, you have to take over the movie of the week. Might have to go to Warriors. That's a, it's a great it's a big, movie. Easy movie to talk about. Yeah. But it's time. We're going to double up. It's time for Search and Enjoy. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been yep. Now, that song was an iconic song in the 70s and 80s, but 70s. It was written by a guy called Lucky Star, a, a, um, an Australian guy, and he hand, that was covered. That's, Johnny, Johnny Cash. Cash covered that song by yeah, Lucky right. Star. There you go. There you go. And instead of using his you got Carrie, Carrie, Maitland, he used, of course, <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Anyway. There you go. Bro. So, today. India, today. Mm. Uh, went there in 2015, mm-hmm. 2015 for a little... Little uh, sojourn. Uh, went to Delhi, Varanasi, out to Jaipur. Went to um, the Taj Mahal. Not many places, Ben, divide opinion as a holiday destination like India. Some love it. Some find the culture change too difficult. I'm talking to a cricket friend of mine who went there mm. with the test team. He explained, I said, I'm keen to go to India. I'd love to see Mumbai. And he said, Matty, I explained it like this. The first week you're there, you're rattled. Yep. It's really, really tough. And the second week's almost the best week of your life. And I said, I don't know if I could go through that first week to enjoy the second week. Yeah, it's, a, it's an assault on the senses. Um, it, you know, people talk about um, India has a smell and India does have a smell. Like it, it's, and it's a combination of life. Yeah, right. It's everything. It's not like it's from everything from food to, you know, the, 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 the you know, garbage on the streets to just, just the culture of the place, the air. It's got a feel about it, India. It's really it's quite a unique place. Talking to – we had Brett Lee on the Sunday show one night and, I, and he was talking when he goes – went over there for the 2020 in the commentary and he said it's just a culture shock, particularly for the cricketers. He said because you get people just literally swamping you on the streets and a lot of the beggars. And I said, well, okay, tell me about the life of Sachin Tendulkar. And he said he lives in a compound and he said – I went to his place. We're going to a destination together. And he said, Sachin, how I know you're coming out. He said, I, he goes, you get a cab there, sit in the cab, do not get out under any circumstances. Because he said there were like a thousand people camped out the front of his compound. And he <laughs> said, when you see me come out, hop out and sprint and jump on the back of the car. Cause doesn't so that's he, his life. Doesn't he wear like he wears masks yes. and, yeah, to, to go out to the movies yeah, and stuff like Batman that? Batman yeah. masks. Yeah. Stuff <laughs> like that. So Varanasi. <laughs> yeah, Varanasi. So Varanasi is the holy city. Um... It's the city on the on the Ganges, the River Ganges, 
and it is easily the most intense place I have ever been in terms of, like, once once the city comes alive in the morning at the sunrise, you're on the Ganges and the people are bathing in the water and it's really, it's tranquil. And it's all, it's it's spiritual place. Um, but then when the world wakes up and you're going through the middle of this town and you are closed in on every side and everything, like, everyone's going to the river for, for healing purposes, for religious purposes. Like, people you know, being carried with, you know, that have obviously got elephantitis. So, you know, their legs are gigantic, bloated, uh, death, bodies being carried to the Ganges, um, you know, that sort of that sort of stuff. It is, if you haven't been around and that's your first location you go to, wow, I, you're going to see some stuff. I don't want to sound ignorant here. Like, I might be, but, okay, Varanasi, part of the religious belief, is there a form of cannibalism there? There, yes. So there's... At the Gats, which are the big burning sort of platforms, there's there obviously the religious orders um, that at some times have consumed human flesh or bodies as part of yes okay. a, a ritual yeah, a ritual thing. I I you know I don't think it's it's not it's definitely it's not cannibalism not all the time. It has it has yeah. happened, but you can see because. Bodies are burnt. Like, we went down and we saw, at night, you see the gats on fire and the bodies being burnt. And then their ashes are thrown into the Ganges. Mm -hmm. So you do see maybe a finger or a toe floating by you when you're out on the Ganges. So it's quite like... Like, people are bathing in it. If you're a tourist, I wouldn't suggest doing it. Um, You might come come out with a whole... Yeah, more than an earache. Tell me about Delhi. Uh, see, I you know, I really love Delhi. Delhi is a gigantic, heaving mess of traffic and and chaos. Population of Delhi? Oh, mate, I have no idea, but it is a lot. Yeah. But let's see. If I always think Mumbai as more the industrial port work. You know, it's the it's a big, you know. Yep. But why Delhi is still the historical capital? It's you know the north the northern part of India is you know it's. It's got a lot of, you know, the beautiful architecture, the really, the real, as we know it, the real Indian culture, the food, the food over there is absolutely amazing. We we were lucky because we were staying with some friends from Doha, Indian people from Doha that sort of put us up. And um, so they took us to all the great little food places and eating in India um, is an experience. experience. (laughs) But I tell you what, it is the the curries and stuff there when you're there with locals. Oh man, it's next level. Uh, Sorry, sorry, Uh, Matthew. They say sorry, Benny. They say that um, like I've heard um, different fellas go over and they talk about cricket as something being more than sport over Mm. there. Would you say like the way I perceived it when they were talking about it, it seemed like religious almost yeah 100 percent. and like whenever you drive around you see it's just there is cricket matches whether they're actual matches or they're just kids on the street it is just a constant thing that you see around everywhere and like one of my great experiences was um sun was, sun was rising right the taj mahal the taj mahal's in the back and i said this to my wife when i'm traveling out, oh this would be so what a great photo this would be but we like got to have a hit with um some you know kids that were playing as the sun rose and that real Indian stifling heat, Taj Mahal in the background, and we just had a little you know whack of cricket with them, um, oh, and it yeah. was like this is this is cool. This is like yeah. a 
is and there's little moments like that that make you go, oh, India's not this big heaving mess of chaos. It's actually a really beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, is it shocking the I guess the disparity between the poor and the well to do's? Like, is there a middle ground, or is it literally like? Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, like the middle class is obviously getting bigger, but mm. it's a caste system that you know you can't. If you're born here, you can't. You know, yeah. you watch um, yeah. what was that Slumdog Millionaire? Oh yeah. If you're born here, you can't get up to here. Well, like mm. it's just what happened for you. Talking to the cricket guys, right? When they used to play India, Sir of Ganguly, who's a prince, mm. he was like you know part of like his royalty, mm. and and I don't mean royalty is in great you know such in Tenduka. He has literally had royal right. blood. Mm. So there were things like um, he was just totally different rules. Greek Chapel said this. He just had totally different rules. If he didn't want to train, he didn't train. No one questioned. Oh, uh, yeah. In the last session, one of the Channel Nine commentators said. They got there once and Sir uh, Ganguly walked off the field and he said, I was going back to the hotel to, um, you know, early for certain things. And he said, can I get a lift back to the hotel with you? They were still in the field and he just subbed the 12th man on and went on there. And he had a thing that he wouldn't dive in the field, Ganguly. Mm. When when Greg Chappell went and took over, there's a documentary on went over and become the coach of the English, uh, the Indian cricket side. The first thing he did was stripped the captaincy off Ganguly because he just wasn't a team man and gave it to Raul Dravid. Well, yeah. my God, mm. didn't it cause, like, it was insane wow. what happened. All, all, the, all the members of the Indian cricket team, they're all well-to-do. Well, well-to-do that, from well-to-do uh, I, th- I think there's one, uh, the, the, I'm trying to think of the iconic uh, keeper who played there. Um, I, I, MS Dhoni. I, I think I think he comes from yeah, pretty right, comes, very working class. Yeah, right, okay, yeah. yeah. But, all, but as yeah. a general rule... Yeah, yeah very time, well to time, time to play cricket and to learn the sport of cricket to that level, you're obviously you've been okay. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. You, so you, it's just you haven't like, had to toil. It's such a it's such a culture shock. You know what I mean? We just don't really. I mean, we have, we've got our own problems for sure. Yeah, but yeah. like that seems deeply, deeply ingrained. But it's definitely an in, an incredible place. Mm. And I think next week I'm going to talk about a trip to Burma, which came after this trip. It was, yeah. and something happened in India that then resulted in Burma, similar to your story that I'll tell next okay, week. Okay, there you go. There's Hawk and the Tease, people. Don't miss it next week after the break. Movie of the Week. Good news, people. Liam Alexander is on the line. It's time for Movie of the Week. Now, the last two weeks, we focused on the golf comedies, Caddy Shack and Happy Gilmore. Today, we couldn't be more different. It's the action crime thrill of 1979, which is, I think, one of the cinema's biggest cult movies. The Warriors. Can you count, suckers? I say the future is ours. You're standing right now with nine delegates from a hundred gangs. That's 20,000 hardcore members. 40,000 counting affiliates. Now there ain't but 20,000 police in the whole town. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Of course, that uh, California love, that thing at the <laughs> yeah. very start, where he goes, can you dig it? Off the Warriors. Liam Alexander, how are you, pal? Good, Matty. Sorry if it's a bit noisy. I'm just I'm down in Melbourne at the moment doing the AFL. Brother, you are fly- uh, fine. We told you you had the drone over there. Hope it went well for you. Liam, there's very, very few films which I which, in my opinion, depict the grungy, seedy, gangland underbelly of New York City in the 70s and 80s more than this, even if it is slightly exaggerated. 
Oh, 100%. I think I watched it a long time ago and I didn't think it held up, but I watched it the other day again and I think it does hold up. It's such a cool, grungy, pulpy sort of film. I saw it described as um, West Side Story without the musical numbers and I was actually surprised to find out that the guy who wrote the book, he was sort of sick of the romanticised view that um, a lot of movies uh, took of the gang wars in New York. So he decided he was going to make it as sort of grungy and down to earth and from their perspective as possible and I think that's why it holds up so well today. Most people haven't seen it Liam. Uh, briefly the plot. Yeah so like you said it's set in this hyper violent sort of alternate New York City that's run by all these gangs and uh, one of the predominant gang leaders who you just heard Cyrus he, he calls a meeting uh, for all the gangs to get together and he's assassinated during it and the Coney Island gang known as the Warriors are the ones that are, are accused of it wrongly so though. And the movie basically follows them during this one night as they try to get back to uh, Coney Island with um, all the gangs and cops on their tail. Ben, you love this film. I, lo- I loved this film so much that the, the person who directed this, Walter Hill, uh, his, probably his most famous film that he made was 48 Hours. I did the double yesterday. Did you? Yeah, I went straight into 48 Hours. But the thing I love about this movie is um, it's obviously based on a graphic novel, but it's also based on ancient Greek history. Um, so Cyrus yep. trying to go into the gang members are uniting to me is like very you know it's the Persian you know yep. King Cyrus and stuff. So there's there's little elements in it that you go ah oh, as a history, history. buff. There's little stuff flying through it. Re- Roger Ebert, um, the critics critic, he gave it two out of four stars. He said, but I like the way he describes it. He said it was a it's a ballet of stylized male violence. But, yeah, but Liam, at the time, the way it depicts, that is, in those days, that was the Bronx, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, I think it's exactly right. And he, later on, he actually sort of um, took back that review and said that he might have been a bit too harsh on it at the time and didn't look at some of the positives that it did. I think he thought the dialogue was a bit um, stilted and the whole thing was a bit implausible. But I think, I think it's a real... Um, look at the at the gangs at the time it's, and it doesn't take that view of romanticizing it. it like it gets down and dirty with them and and yeah i think he was right hey mate uh bk uh in regards to the romanticizing you know we i think like cinema has taken quite a turn towards uh i guess explaining the story of the downtrodden whereas i feel like cinema back in the day was almost the view from up top and you were like kind of romanticizing gang life is this were there many movies like this back, you know, in the 1970s, I think it was? Mm. Were there many yeah, movies 70... like telling the story of the downtrodden and giving them, actually humanising them? I, that, that's exactly why I think it had such an impact when it came out. Because even though the critics didn't like it, Kempi, the audiences really responded to it. Because I don't think anyone had seen anything like this before. It takes it from their point of view. And Walter Hill, the director, he said that he, he approached it like, like they were main characters. He wasn't looking at it from a high society point of view. He just wanted to tell their story and sort of flesh them out a bit. And like, like publicly, like audiences really responded to it at the time because it was only made for four million. It grossed about twenty-two, mm. but there was a lot of controversy when it was was released because there was violence in the cinemas and mm. and yeah, it was a pretty controversial movie. Because that because all the all the people like you know apart from the main actors. The other gang members in it are actual gang members yeah, right. from New York at the time. Mm-hmm. So there were certain gangs that weren't approached by the casting people to be in the film. So apparently they would attack 
the film production. Wow. So there's a little fact here so that... There was, I can imagine there's a sense of menace on set. sense of menace where police had to drag people away. Um, there was a real gang called the, Mongrel, the, the Mongrels, Mongrels, mm. who for $500 a day were paid to protect the production trucks. Wow. So it just shows uh, yeah. the environment at that well, time. That was that 1970s... New York was not a safe place. Life imitating art, as yeah, they say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the soundtrack. Um, so New oh, York yeah. in the early 80s. Uh, Joe Walsh, of course, he's the main in it. He, he had the song the song In the City. Yep. Uh, of course, Joe Walsh, was he joined the Eagles for the Hotel California album. Some great stories about the great – he's one of the great hell risers, hell risers of rock. He came out to Australia and New Zealand, Joe Walsh, for a two-year stint – that he actually didn't remember he was here. He played with Dave Dolan and the Herbs, but also the Party Boys, who were a cover band, sort of mash of great Australian artists. He's going to step on you again. Um, Swanee was the lead singer. They said his drug use was absolutely legendary, if that is the right word, right? legendary. And <laughs> if, you, if you want to know who Joe Walsh is, people, the last scene in the Blues Brothers where Jake and Elroy are playing in jail, Jailhouse Rock, well, the first of the crims who jumps up and dances on the table, that's Joe Walsh. Yeah. So, um, Liam, what – okay, question for everyone. What do you think is a better depiction of New York as far as film's concerned? Is it this film or Escape from New York? Oh, I think this one – this one's definitely a more realistic um, approach to it. But I love I love the way John Carpenter films New York. I think, I think Carpenter's – uh, New York is a scarier place than the one in the Warriors, but um, I think the Warriors might, even though it's exaggerated, might be a bit more um, more realistic. But I, I can't go past John Carpenter. Yep. Um, one little fact that I love: David Patrick Kelly, who played the infamous Luther, who does the Warriors come out and play <laughs> with yeah, the little awesome. bottles on his finger, love it. Uh, which has become so iconic, so part of popular culture now. Um, but apparently he got that line. It was all ad and he got that line because his bully next door neighbour used to taunt him the same way oh, outside wow. his house. Oh, That's wow. where he got that from. Okay, we're gonna we're about to take a break, and after the break, we're gonna do three to one greatest gang films. Uh, Liam, your score out of a hundred. I'm gonna give Warriors uh, an eighty. I think it holds up uh, surprisingly well for a for a seventies film. Yeah, I'm gonna say eighty as well. Solid, very Be- solid. Beak, Jack, uh, eighty. Yeah. Jack, mate, 80, 80 yeah. as well. <laughs> I'll go 81. Uh, we'll take a break. Three to one next. Welcome back to the show. We're getting to the pointy end. We're going to have our uh, tips coming up soon, our multi-tips, so kids, get your pencils ready for that. But uh, we've just done uh, The Warriors, so our three to one greatest gang films of all time. Uh, Jacko, number three, I'm going to let you uh, lead off on this one. Number now, this three. one might be controversial. I don't, I'm sorry I'm starting off with this, but I went with Reservoir Dogs. Is Reservoir Dogs a gang film or a crime film? Absolutely. Gang. gang? Yep. Yep. Let's go with gang. Yeah, one of my favourite movies of all time. Probably, I think it's my favourite Tarantino movie, actually. Awesome movie. Mine would be uh, Boys in the Hood, number three. Oh, what a oh, movie. Yeah. Classic. What Absolute a- classic. Cuba Gooding. So Cuba good. Gooding Jr. Yeah. So good. Dislike. And uh, it's just, it, <laughs> it, it encapsulates what they go through so, so, so well. And that's, that's my number two, but it has, that scene is the saddest scene oh. in oh film history. Oh, my God. Because you know why you had the ticket? You had yeah, the ticket. Ice Cube <laughs> plays such a dead shit, the older brother, doesn't he? Like that uh, that older brother and uh, it's just a, it's a great, great movie. Mm. 
Uh, my number three is American History X. Oh, oh wow! A, one, that the first fifteen minutes—that is one of the most hardcore scenes. Mate, Edward Norton. The, the entire two hours of that film. Yeah. You just you're you're on. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my I god! Know. Oh my god! What does dead shit Stacy Keach is? It? You know, oh, he's that old guy, yeah. that old Nazi guy. But the, the like the beginning and then the obviously the ending stays with you. It scars you. Number three, Liam. Uh, for me, we've spoken about it a couple of times, but Francis Ford Coppola's The Outsiders. Oh, Got one love of the, it. The all-time cast, Swayze, uh, C. Thomas Howe, Rob Lowe, Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's, it's such a good gang movie, I reckon. Mine, I've gone The Wanderers. Uh, set in New York City, Lower Manhattan, Little Italy, the Bronx. Mate, it was the gangs, the Wanderers, the Baldies, the Wongs, and the Ducky Boys. And now the Ducky Boys were actually a real gang. I've got a book at home called The Lost Boys of the Bronx, The Ducky Boys. And in the movie, you see they don't talk. They're almost like zombies. And that was – they used to do the original Ducky Boys because they named themselves after this gangster called Ducey. And he was captured by the cops. And rather than him thinking they, you know, grasped them all up, he cut his own tongue off. What? And couldn't speak so, so he couldn't talk. <laughs> oh, no, that was that was commitment. <laughs> yeah, it's commitment to the cause. Go the Ducky Boys. Uh, Jake, your number two. Mate, I've gone with Legend, uh, the story of the, the Cray twins. Oh Ooh, man, yeah. how good is that? Oh. They were the last guys. They were the last guys imprisoned in the Tower of London. Really? The Cray brothers. Really? Yeah, no Reggie way. and Ronnie Cray. Yeah, Gosh. great film. Uh, number two for Tom me. Tom Hardy is so good. Oh, he's, oh. he's my favourite. He, he just he recently entered a jiu-jitsu tournament and oh, won it. Won. What? Yeah. Yes. He, secretly. And he secretly entered and won it. Won it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I love him even more. <laughs> God, <laughs> share the talent around, old mate. Um, look, I, I want to give a quick special mention to Peaky Blinders. I know it's not a movie, yeah. but I just want to mention. But yep. second for me is American Gangster. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Denzel Washington. Very good movie. Holy yeah. moly. When he's uh, asking for that tip and he's like, no, I'm not giving that. Anyway, it's a great I, I, uh, Doesn't Russell Crowe play a great sort of American wise guy? Yeah. Topper. Yeah. Yeah. He plays that. Killed that, it. Very yeah. good. He does. Uh, boys, boys in the Hood for my yeah. number two. Number two, I've gone Romper Stomper. Ooh. Romper Stomper. Uplifting film. 1992, <laughs> Russell Crowe. A story about a neo-Nazi skinheads in Melbourne terrorising Vietnamese, Vietnamese community. In the round Footscray, man, it is just again one of the opening scenes. So hard, oh, full on. Liam, your number two. Uh, for me, it's an early Scorsese movie, really early Mean Streets with Harvey uh, oh, Keitel, De Niro. One of my all-time favourite scenes is when De Niro enters the bar at the start to um, the Rolling Stones, Jumping Jack Flash. I reckon oh. that was like the birth of Scorsese and De Niro as a as a combo. Guys, we've only got a minute here. Can we read through number one, Jack. Goodfellas, Cobber. <laughs> okay. Uh, Gangs of New York. Oh, yeah. Mad Max. Liam? I went with Jack as well. Good fellas. Yeah. Well, I'll just finish. Gangs of New York, who are actually based the the gang off a real gang called the Sydney Ducks, who terrorised San Francisco in the 19th century. Have a look at people. Wikipedia. Type in Sydney Ducks. Incredible piece of history. Wikipedia? Yeah, we can, anyway, YouTube. <laughs> Take a break with our tips coming up next. Yep, here we go, our tips over the course of the weekend. I've got a multi tonight. I'm going to go for North Queensland to win at home by 8 to 12 points. And uh, welcome back, Carter, Ruben Cotter, to uh, get a try. Jacko, what about you? Mate, I've gone for the uh, AFL Grand Final, the Swans to win. Um, total points to be under 64 and a half. And Lance Franklin for the first goal of the game. Nice. Uh, I'm going Eels to win and Gutho to score two tries. Oh, it's a king, Gutho. 
Uh, million dollar chase this, this weekend, Matty. We know we love our dogs. Yep. Go Panama Pepper, the Pan- final. Uh, don't we love Panama Pepper? That's all we've got time for. Guys, awesome. Jack, well done today. Uh, enjoy the weekend of sport and keep safe in the city.